0: Today's sermon, we're going to discuss ECW's Seven Deadly Sins. At the top of the list, we have Greed and the insane luchador Super Crazy, a man so selfish he dared to defy the network in his quest for the world television title. Next we have Vanity which brings to mind the impact player's executive Jezebel Don Marie. But if ever vanity were justified. <laughs> Number three is gluttony. Let's just say Big Sally Graziano gives new meaning to the phrase devouring the competition. <laughs> Number four is sloth. And that poor lost soul, Raven, who's taking this whole slacker business just a tad too seriously. Hey, Scotty, it's a gimmick. (laughs) Next, we have Wrath. Been there, done that, please, let's move on. Envy, the American dream. Dusty Rhodes is so jealous of the old school hero Steve Carino's youthfulness that it makes me want to vomit. And finally, we come to my favorite sin of all, lust. Francine wants my raven in the worst kind of way. After all, he's no dreamer. (laughs) Let's just say that it's going to be one hell Of a show, and any company that dares to compete with an ECW pay per view is going to be living dangerously.
1: Extra
2: to episode number 72 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... I am the one and only, the happiest, greatest referee in professional
3: wrestling history. It is my honor and my privilege to be sitting here at this table after meeting one of the biggest stars, biggest celebrities of my entire life, one of my heroes, my childhood musical icon, Marty Stewart, last night. Who's Marty Stewart? Marty Stewart has been playing music for almost 50 years. If you don't know him he started traveling at the age of 9 years old playing the mandolin and guitar. Then at the age of 13 started playing with the uh, Johnny Cash Band and then broke out on his own in the late 70s, early 80s. Marty Stewart is a whole genre of music that you will never ever be able to duplicate. I mean he went from everything to rock and roll, uh, oldies, uh,
2: bluegrass country i mean he he can do it all well that's awesome that you got to meet a big celebrity in your opinion uh, me on the other hand, and probably a lot of the listeners, uh, have no idea who he is. But maybe we will. Maybe we'll check him out you now. You should. That you've had the recommendation of the world's greatest referee. I mean, you should. The fabulous,
3: uh, the fabulous superlatives are uh, a great group, and uh, I mean, the guitarist is without a doubt, arguably the greatest living guitar player right now. I mean, he, he there's nothing this man can't do with a guitar. He wow. is absolutely that talented. Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives, it was an honor and a privilege to have even been able to meet him and get a picture with him. I actually, I hate using this term because I hate this term, but I marked out. I wow. did. I did.
2: Bad. Yeah. Real bad. Well, from what I heard, you were kind of embarrassed to actually go up and approach him. Yeah. You're usually pretty easy with these... Uh, wrestlers that we meet and stuff you walk right up to them you don't care yeah i don't care i'm pretty laid back and like
3: hey but you're
2: bashful around this marty stewart yeah no this
3: was he literally i'm telling you it could be the pope and i wouldn't give a shit like this is the end all be all for me wow so this was you know
2: it's a great weekend for you yes very very excited very uh, happy And and now you get to end it by recording this podcast. So, man, things have just gone from good to better. They are ecstatic. I mean, it is going absolutely crazy. You're on a roll, man. I am tearing the house down. (laughs) Yes. So, Patrick, it has been a very eventful news week. It kind of made me upset that we recorded the podcast at the time we did last week because we had at least two or three major stories in the WWE, at least, break out. Uh, over the week, and we didn't get to talk about them, but now we do, and now you get to listen to them about a week later, so I hope you're still interested in these topics that you bring us from the news desk. Where do we start this week, Patrick? Well, uh,
3: Paul Heyman has been named the uh, inductor to induct Bill Goldberg into the WWE Hall of Fame. Why? I
2: can't. That's why I'm bringing this up, because why? Seems very strange to me. Sadly, who would have been the best person to induct him would be Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan was the person in WCW that loved Goldberg, and he, he knew did. he knew the second they beat Goldberg, the ship was sinking, that it was all over. And he was the only proponent to keep the streak going, and sadly, Bobby no longer with us and couldn't speak anyway. But my next option would have been someone like Bischoff. Hugh Morse. I mean, Well... Hell. He worked with him and got him over on that first match.
3: Or, personally, fans don't realize, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan actually came up with the idea, the gimmick, created the whole thing from
2: start. Well, you could have had former Atlanta Falcons, former Bulldogs, people in the power plant. All the people that came together to put Goldberg together, that monster truck driver that actually beat Goldberg in his first ever dark match, so the streak was entirely fake, that guy could have showed up. Right. So I find it odd, even though Paul Heyman is a great speaker. Like, I have no complaints about him speaking. I just think that there's a million other people we could have brought in for this. I don't see a connection other than his last run. Yeah, his last
3: run. So that's why Paul Heyman, is. it's a weird... Well, an cool ECW
2: was definitely the anti-Goldberg organization. Someone right. like Goldberg would not be welcomed with open arms, despite Heyman now managing Brock Lesnar, who's also not the ECW prototype. But uh, So that's a very odd choice. Another very odd choice for the Hall of Fame this week, Patrick. I thought we were done when Kid Rock was our inductee, and I, so I had to cut that out of our podcast that he was the, the last one because... They sprang it on me. See, I had checked off all the boxes, I thought, right. because we had our tag team. We had our... Headliner. Yeah, we had our female wrestler. Uh, we had our surprise with Jarrett. Um, we, we, and we didn't have our dead, ref, our dead wrestler. Still don't have our deceased wrestler. I don't know that we're
3: going to get one. We probably won't. They're tired of people realizing that they've caught on to their ideas, and
2: now they're changing it up Swerving on Swerving us, us yeah. a little bit. Now, see, this one caught me off guard a little bit, because... I, I really thought that Devon Dudley checked the box for minority inductee for three years past. You're deceased. You're
3: female. You're headliner. You're African American or Latino. I mean, so unfortunately, that's how it goes. And uh, but we have officially <laughs> announced that Mark Henry. Oh boy, the world's strongest man. Is the going, real streak—the fact that he
2: maintained employment with this company since 1996—it's unbelievable because Holy he is shit. a terrible wrestler. I'm sorry, he improved slightly towards the end of his career. People shake their heads at this idea, but he—he he did have the salmon jacket promo with Cena and his world title run on SmackDown. He did show some improvement. Yeah. Um, when he lost some weight, when he was actually committed. But this was a guy, just like Big Show, a guy who they wanted so much out of, had so much potential, because, you know, Vince saw this guy and saw Andre the Giant in his mind. You know, world's strongest man. He's bending pans. He's doing all this stuff. He's huge. Yeah. Former Olympian. Before Kurt Angle got there, he was going to be Mr. Olympics, you know? He was Mr. USA. And then Kurt Angle shows up and... Ah, forget about this guy. This guy didn't even medal at the Olympics. The things that this man has done, though strength-wise, is extremely
3: impressive. Don't don't yeah, get me wrong. The things wrong. that
2: he's done outside of WWE are impressive. The things he's done in the company,
3: not not so great. I mean to pull to pull an eighteen wheeler. Strictly by just, I mean all those Tough Man competition yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean
2: it's rolling giant tree logs or whatever he to did to show
3: him, and to show him pull those two eighteen wheelers uh, that they did back backstage of an arena, uh, quite a few years back. Uh, it's just an unbelievable feat that I've never seen
2: matched. Uh, it was on, um, it was incredible. It was just completely incredible. It wasn't just incredible. We'll talk about him in a little while. But, <laughs> no, he's had a terrible career, in my opinion. You never, know, never really got his push. Well, and for good reason. I mean, the guy was terrible on the mic. Uh, he looked, he looked like a million bucks. Yes, he was. I mean, you had, you had and that. when he, when he was very like young. I mean, as he got older, I think his look diminished a little bit. Now he's still a very imposing figure. If they had kept maybe Dilo with him, even as just a mouthpiece, not even as if he had had a mouthpiece with him, you know, someone other than who they did pair him with at times, yeah. you know had Delo stuck with him because they actually had chemistry together they when did. they were a tag team. When he was Sexual Chocolate and then you threw Delo on top of it, that was a great team. Yeah, but then we look at all the low lights. I mean, uh the May Young Handbirth oh, is God. uh one of our highlights of this man's career and the retirement speech that was fake is probably the other great highlight for Mark Henry's career. That was awesome, though, in my opinion. Well, that's the I, best thing he ever did, yeah.
3: Because the crowd, like, there are actually fans out there in the crowd crying, like, oh my goodness, Well, he's and he was crying.
2: This man's a great actor. Yeah.
3: I, you know, and they're just, it's heartfelt. You believe it. It's like, holy shit, this is out of nowhere. What in the
2: hell? And then all of a sudden, boom, he's like, pshh. Screw y'all, I'm not doing that. I've got a lot left in me. Yeah. So yeah, like we've said about this Hall of Fame many, many times, um, there's no criteria to get in. It's all pretty much BS, and just uh, they let anyone in. And this is another case where, I'm sorry, I don't feel like Mark Henry's a Hall of Famer. No, I don't either. Not at all. Um,
3: I don't think he, he... I mean, I think he could,
2: at some point in time, I don't think now. He had basically the same gimmick. Dino Bravo, you know, sitting there doing the... Tony Atlas. Yeah, all these weightlifting guys.
3: I think Tony's in. Tony is in. That's what I'm saying, though. When I look at him, I just think of him as being, like, 20 years later, Tony Atlas.
2: I just look at him as just... Failure is all I see. I mean, see, I don't think he's a failure. I actually, oh no, he's definitely not a failure because the man was state employed this long. It's amazing. It is beyond comprehension. I, I, think, I think that a terrible wrestler can be in the top company. I enjoyed the run that
3: he had with uh, the Hall of Pain. I thought that was a brilliant idea. And then
2: he he, he ran it all the way to the title. And so uh, <laughs> I'd say if you're just a fan of big men standing there, which Vince is this is a this is a Vince McMahon kind of guy. I, I just like big guys. Just stand there, yeah. You're big. Stand there. Uh, like I mean, imagine today. Like think of how much more athletic Braun Strowman is than uh, than yeah. Mark That's Henry, true. and he's a big man. That's like true. today, we don't tolerate that kind of slow yeah. big man that does or big e big e is a massive man but he flies yeah. around the ring like Kofi Kingston his tag team yeah, partner big
3: e does move very quickly for for the mass in which he is carrying
2: and so we sit here and and you know weeks we say oh, great collie what a shitty wrestler i would put mark henry right there with him with with a guy that just Big man stands around. I don't know if I do that. I mean, I, I wouldn't that's... I wouldn't say he's as bad as Great Khali, but I'm not saying there's a huge El Gigante and Mark Henry probably are closer in comparison as far as wrestling ability, and that's pretty bad. Sorry. That that is pretty low, dude. Yeah. That's Hate to say it, but this guy just he
3: he's I, just not mobile. Enough. Personally, I kind of enjoyed Mark Henry.
2: I enjoyed parts of Mark Henry's I never, career. I
3: never, until the Hall of Pain run, did I actually su- take him seriously enough to be a world champion. But until that time came, uh, I considered him as a B player. Well, yeah. Oh,
2: he. Yeah, you're a B plus player. Yes, we'll get into another B plus player in just a second. But yes, Mark Henry, Hall of Fame for whatever reason. Congratulations, buddy. I never. In a million years would have pegged this guy for the Hall of Fame, but he did it. Apparently, just
3: found out, John Cena has a new TV show coming out on Nickelodeon. It is going to be a kids game show. Uh, don't have a, uh, a name for it. Haven't seen a trailer Well, he's hosting
2: the Kids' Choice Awards, so this is probably where he will have a promo or announce it.
3: Keep It Spotless is the name. And so. That sounds
2: like a cleaning show. Some something. It, it makes sense because his character on. I say his character because I actually don't. You know, when you watch reality shows, you don't know where reality stops and where they're in character or whatever. Yeah. So, but on the Total Divas and Total Bellas, he's a neat freak. He's a oh, guy I've, that. Yeah. And uh, his wife, well, his fiance uh, drives him crazy because she is not very neat like him. He's almost got like OCD. So in my what i would want this game show to be is like double dare and they have to clean up a bunch of shit i don't know
3: yeah and apparently there's another one coming out it's going to be uh rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles is he a voice in that i guess he is going to be a voice as a villain in in the uh and it as well. Damn, dude, he's.
2: You'd think he bought the damn Nickelodeon Network. Well, he is trying to go the route of The Rock. You know, The Rock had, the The Rock has mainstream appeal, and it started with children loving The Rock. I mean, as a pro wrestler, but now, and John Cena has voiced. John Cena's voice has been in that in those Scooby Doo WWE things. Yeah. He's been in a couple other animated things. He's got that uh, adult movie coming out, that R-rated film like Cockblockers or whatever coming out. So I think that is the name of it. Yeah. I
3: want to go see it cuz it looks really funny. Yeah. So he's
2: got a lot of we products. might have, we might have
3: to go see that and review it here on our on our podcast while it's still in theaters.
2: Yeah. It probably won't be in theaters long, knowing how John Cena's movie career has his gone thus far. Is. But uh, you know what's what strikes me as odd, though, is for a guy that wants to appeal to children to be Mister to be Hulk Hogan, to yeah. be to be the wrestler that the kids like. He has no children of his own, and, and on the show, he frequently discusses children with his fiance. But he has children. No, he has no kids. Yeah, he does. No, not with his old wife. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth from two thousand nine till two thousand twelve, but they had no children. Oh. And okay. uh now he's engaged to Nikki Bella. Uh but no, no I children. Was, I was wrong. The prototype, John Cena, the has prototype, not, yeah. Has not uh cloned himself yet. So <laughs> Well, that's going to be a whole season on Total Bellas or Total Divas is the birth of John Cena's child. And then, of course, well, you'll... Trying re- to knock Nikki up, and then... Oh, well, they don't show that part No, but they'll
3: milk that shit for a whole season, and then they'll milk a about season... About her
2: struggles of getting
3: pregnant, yes. And then and they'll and milk a season of her being pregnant, yeah. and then her giving birth We is still need the wedding season.
2: season before all that, yeah, you know, so, this I mean, is... Uh, They've, this shit's going to last They've forever. got a four-year, five-year arc here. Um, but, no, I, I knew he didn't have kids because we would have seen one of these John Cena title wins and Cena reaches for his own kid to bring in the ring. Cause I, I
3: thought he did. I really did. I thought he had... Uh, it
2: would make sense because he's Mr. you know, well, Never-Give-Up-Family-Man, going to the children's hospital. I,
3: I thought he did because he... Flat out hated. He's like, I'm not having kids with you ever, Nikki. And so I thought it was like, hey, I'm I've already, already got one. I've already got them. I ain't doing that shit again, you know.
2: Well, it's, you know, for someone that loves kids so much, typically we get concerned if someone's into kids as much as John Cena seems to be into kids. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I'm not implying anything. I'm just saying he hangs out with kids a lot. And Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't. I know, I know. It's, it, there's nothing sinister behind it, but. It's not like it's Michael Jackson. It's well, it's not like it's your next door neighbor Ron that you never see. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's totally different. But uh, John Cena, yes, wants to be Mr. Uh, family Man to the general
3: public. This next one, I'm going to veer off for a second to add a little bit of relaxing as we. I have quite a few more, and uh, this is only for true wrestling fans, and I mean hardcore wrestling fans. And I know you are a deep. Deep to your soul, core fan of Fire Pro Wrestling, the video game. Yeah, it's huge right now. Very a popular. New, a new version of it is coming out for PlayStation Four this summer, Fire Pro Wrestling World, and it looks to be pretty badass.
2: Yeah, it had been on um, it had been on PC a while, and that's where I see all the screenshots on Twitter and stuff from, and people making their own custom characters. and It's one of the most iconic pro wrestling game series because its uh, engine is basically what fueled those N64, WCW, and WWF games like Revenge, WrestleMania 2000, No Mercy. They were all built upon um, and developed by the same guys that did Fire Pro Wrestling. Uh, Now, there was a version of Fire Pro Wrestling that came out for the PlayStation 2, which I have played and I I own. Um, I actually didn't like... The control system it was very odd because you sort of locked up at random and then you would execute a command, and there was no, there was no fight for the grapple. Like it tells you, like button mashing won't help you here. It's a very, it's not a bad control system. It's just one that takes some time getting used to. But also, what's great about it is the roster and the creator wrestler and the one that they had for PlayStation Two at least and the ones that they had in Japan. They would create exact replicas of WCW and WWF wrestlers, rename them something different. Then you could go in and edit their name and turn them into who they really were supposed to be. And then you could actually have these dream matchups yeah. uh, before, you know, Creator Wrestler got to where it is now in mainstream, like 2K, where you can actually basically do that. Um, but this was well ahead of its time. And people that have been playing it on PC have been raving about it for months and months. So I'm glad it's coming to consoles because I'm not a PC gamer. Uh, One of the reasons I'm not a PC gamer is because you have to have graphics cards and some games won't work with this graphics card and you need this and you need that. I don't like that.
3: Yeah, if you get past Windows 96, I haven't played a computer game since. So. Well,
2: there was no such thing as Windows 96, so that's probably Windows, a good, what was the There fu- was 95 and 98. So okay. you went 95. Right in the
3: 95 then. There we go. So, so yeah, I, I don't know shit about computers.
2: Dude. I yeah, I'm just a console and I like a controller Yeah. In my, I don't like playing with the keyboard. I even though yeah. there's a game called Doom that uh, was basically keyboard based and I I played that a lot. That was easy and that was fun. But as the mouse got more, I don't like playing with the mouse, yeah. and uh, I just like controllers and stuff. So that's very exciting. I can't, I can't wait to uh, pick that up. That'll probably be better than the next 2K game. I, I'm going to venture out on a limb and say it's probably going to be better than well, that. I'm, I'm taking your word for it, and I'm going to we'll pay, we'll pick it up and play it
3: together and uh, and review it on here. So, um, yeah, it sounds great. You
2: can spend your money on it instead. Sure, absolutely. That's always the best option. The uh, The doctor that has... The Dr. D
3: that has cleared... Oh, okay. Daniel Bryan. Uh,
2: there were multiple doctors that cleared. This is the biggest news story of the week. I'm glad we didn't lead with it because every other wrestling podcast probably led with this story. But, yes, Daniel Bryan got his clearance... And uh, from multiple doctors, and what, which doctor was, were you going this to speak about? This one from the, uh, his MRI doctor
3: says, and this is what has stirred up some controversy, says that there is no prior brain injury whatsoever, which means no concussions ever, which means he could have still been wrestling all along.
2: Well, that feeds into my conspiracy theory that we discussed when Paige got injured that it's awfully convenient sometimes when they say, hey you, over there, no more wrestling for you. It's very strange. And then, when they need you, it's very strange how they can say, all of a sudden, you're cured! Come back! You know, everyone goes down with mumps and measles. Suddenly, Kurt Angle, hey, you're in great shape, wanna come wrestle? Okay! And so, uh, yeah, that feeds into my conspiracy theory. Uh, The MRI part is probably talking about when he originally retired, he did interviews with all the Like NBC, ABC News told them he had a lesion on his brain. That's probably not there. That's probably what he's referring to. Not the fact that he hasn't had concussions, because I'm sure he probably has had concussions. um, But there's no actual physical, you know, no signs of actual damage to his brain, which is a a great thing. But it is convenient timing, Patrick, because... Right before his contract's up. Right. They're afraid they're going to lose him in September. They've kept him on the shelf for two years. During that two years, they've been able to get Roman Reigns to somewhere where I think that they're satisfied, even though it's still a mixed reaction. They're satisfied nobody else is, except yeah, well, for teenage girls and women. They're satisfied. He's on a different brand. He's going for—he's going to be anointed once again here in a couple weeks, and so now it's a good time. We're going to see him at WrestleMania. Because if Brian had been wrestling this whole time, you'd have a competition for top babyface in the company. And they didn't want a competition between who's the top babyface in the company. And that's why AJ Styles wasn't on the same roster as Roman Reigns. So this is all very convenient timing. But what it also means for the WrestleMania card is it took a match that was probably going to be a three-way between uh Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, which I don't think anybody had any interest in, turned to tag turned it into a tag with Daniel Bryan and Shane against. Right. And now is I mean one of the most intriguing matches there because Daniel Bryan's making his 2-year return to the place where he had his greatest moment. Yeah. It's a story, but you it's something it's, it's like it's scripted, Patrick. It really is. Like it's scripted, and I tweeted about this too. What I am concerned though is that it's going to be one of these not really full time returns, that it's going to be he's going to be wrestling like Kurt Angle basically, where when called upon, he will wrestle and not and not week to week and not house shows and not and you're going to disappoint a lot of people who, when they saw that news, um, when that news came out Tuesday morning. I thought, oh, dream matchups all year long. You, know, we got Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan. We got Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Finn Balor. All these great hypothetical matchups. I'm not sure. I, I want to see them still jump off, jump off of the talk and smack stuff, and throw Miz and Daniel Bryan. Oh, together. I mean, that's. I think everybody wants that more than probably any of. The- even though all these other great indie wrestlers that have come up through the system, or other great promotion wrestlers that he has wrestled in yeah. the past, Kevin Owens, on, yeah, yeah, that are on the roster now, yeah, those would be great matchups for him. Yes, the 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 promo the Miz cut on him on Talking Smack two years ago. We need the payoff to we, that,
3: yes, because I mean that is still something that has simmered for years, and it felt real. It was deep down, and it wasn't just one week. It was a number of and it's weeks that it kept going on well yeah
2: and even when daniel bryan was on raw a few for raw 25 and walked past the miz they stared at each other yeah. like it's I it's mean, always been I'm there telling you there that we need that payoff even though i don't think miz is in the same league as daniel bryan as a wrestler but he on the, on the mic i mean he knows how to stir it up yeah. and um also the promo that bryan cut on his return was fantastic i don't want to say that I hate to compare it to the Ric Flair Nitro promo and the Horseman reunion because they were different, kind of... Yeah. They were different promos. Right. But I do feel like it struck the same kind of nerve because it was real.
4: A little over two years ago, uh, when I was forced to retire, it was one of the hardest days of my life. But I, I focused on one thing, on being grateful and i kept on focusing on trying to be grateful so there were there were times when i was depressed about not being able to do what i love to do and i focused on being grateful and there were times that i was angry and i was mad that i couldn't do what i love to do and i focused on being grateful and and i have a lot to be grateful for I have amazing family. I have amazing friends. I have the best fans in the world. And I also have an amazing, uh, beautiful wife. And when I was depressed, and when I was angry, and I was trying to be grateful, and she saw that all I wanted to do was get back in the ring, she came to me and she said, it's wonderful that you're, you're grateful, but you need to fight, and you need to fight for your dreams. And, and she's the one who encouraged me to start going to see specialists and so I went and I saw specialists. and then when the specialist gave me good reviews, she said go see another specialist and then she said go see another specialist. And when she said, when I saw another specialist and they cleared me, she said, listen, you need to fight for your dreams. That's what Daniel Bryan does, is he fights for his dreams. So, so then, then, when I got depressed, I wasn't just grateful, I decided to fight. And when I got angry about not being able to be in this ring, I wasn't just grateful, I decided to fight. And there was a time when I wanted to quit. And instead of walking out, she got in my ear and she said, you don't walk out, she said, you fight. Because you need to fight for your dreams, fight for your dreams, fight for your dreams. And if you fight for your dreams, your dreams will fight for you. Because every hard thing seems impossible until it becomes real. And over the last two months, I've asked WWE to relook at my case. And they sent me to the best neurologist all over the country. And all of these neurologists, every specialist, every doctor I've seen
2: has said the same thing, and it is this. You are clear. You know, there was realness to it. Here's a guy that thought he was done, and he had there was real emotion in his voice when he spoke. And it would be nice if there were more promos like that, or like that Ms. promo, where there are elements of truth sprinkled in. You can still be in character but come across as a real human being to me. Yeah. And so the promo he cut was amazing. And then at the end of the show, immediately, Daniel Bryan is throwing the yes kicks. He's doing his drop kicks. Yeah. And then, to my shock, takes an apron powerbomb from Kevin Owens. And to me, I'm that like... That's
3: scary as shit.
2: Well, that's scary. It, it was delivered very safely, but like...
3: I would not have been comfortable knowing that this is gonna be my first bump back after right. all these years and been like, Oh yeah, you can bounce me up right off the side of the apron. No yeah, problem. the thing that
2: took out, you know, Finn Balor for a year with a shoulder injury on the yeah. guardrail, like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll take one of those. Yeah. Like I all I'm saying is I just hope that Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, I hope that he uh, changes his style so that he can keep going and that he doesn't risk when injury. He was,
3: when he was throwing those those kicks from corner to corner. Oh, it was awesome. La- it was, but him landing on the yes. back of his neck and his the top of his head, it literally had me cringing because I was like, "Oh shit! It could this be? Did
2: did it really? Is his neck that that well healed? You know, right?" It sort of reminded me of Edge, who wrestled at WrestleMania twenty seven, and then a few a couple weeks later on SmackDown, uh, Spears somebody oh. Spears, what was his name, Tyrus, what was his name? Oh, Brodus Clay. Yeah. He, Spears Brodus Clay, and that's when he feels the sting in his neck come back and his career's over the next week. Yeah. Like, so that's the kind of stuff that I'm worried about with him. Like, the last time he was cleared, he was in that uh, Intercontinental Ladder match at WrestleMania, and he's throwing headbutts, and he was out with neck problems and head problems and concussions. Yeah. So all I'm saying is I just hope that he adapts and that way he can have a long, successful career. And I hope that he can work week to week, you know, fill the house shows and make people happy. Just by coming back, he's the top baby face in the company. Right. So he's got a lot on his plate. So
3: um, does the name Hector Garza ring any
2: bells to you? Yes, it does. I believe he wrestled in WCW he, very w- briefly did. in and, the Nitro era. And he he did most of his stuff in AAA
3: and down in Mexico. Well, he has a nephew who has took the name Garza Jr. And Garza Jr. has been working for Impact, but has actually gotten a call-up for WWE. While other fans really don't really give a shit, true WCW fans and true Mexican lucha libre wrestling fans are happy to see a Garza back in the ring because that is a name that has gone with Mexican wrestling tr- uh, tradition for years upon years.
2: Now is he uh, is he a cruiserweight? He is. Well, then that tells me that they're still invested in 205 Live because I mean, we have the tournament going on, the finals are set for WrestleMania believe it's Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali will be in the finals. And so once that champion is crowned, I wonder where the, the direction of this program goes. But yeah, I, I feel like it's good that they're signing more cruiserweights. It, it makes me, it reinforces to me that they are sticking with this idea, that they're yeah. not ready to abandon it yet. And so that's, that's great news. That's excellent news. A, uh, we talked about it
3: last week or a couple weeks ago actually about the situation with Moolah. Okay. Yeah, it was last week. Okay, it was last week's show. Uh, Joyce uh, Grable and Peggy Lee Leather Peggy Lee Leather, I'm sorry. um, Two legendary wrestling women from the early, early days of women's wrestling are now speaking out saying that they have heard enough of the lies and the BS and that they are coming to the aid to defend the honor of a woman who gave them their start by Fabulous Moolah who hired them, trained them, all that. And she. they both have said that in that whole process not one time did Moolah ever try to pimp them out or set them up or anything like that. So... Which, it comes back to what I was, when I was coming to the defense of, is it a 15 minutes of fame thing that all these women are just jumping on the bandwagon, or is it... Well,
2: some of the women that spoke about this passed away, so they're not yeah. jumping on any bandwagon. So Sensational Sherry's not jumping on a bandwagon. I don't think Sensational Sherry was pimped out, though. I mean, No, but like, she has stories in her shoot interviews on YouTube where she talks about it. And yes, you know, not every woman that Moolah interacted with is going to have the same experience. Right. But as far as, we, and I mentioned it last week, it really, I don't think this tarnishes, this doesn't tarnish her legacy at all, not having this event named after her. Because quite frankly, these events, the Andre Battle Royal, yeah, it's great that Andre's name is tied to it, but has it done anything for the people that want it? No. no. In wow. fact, I kind of think it sours Andre's name a little bit. It could be called the Mark Henry uh, Battle Royal because, quite frankly, it does nothing for people, like, much like Mark Henry does for me as a wrestling fan. Right. Um, but I think Fabulous Moolah, her, uh, you know, her legacy as far as a career goes, and we say this about all the controversial wrestling figures of, you know, whatever the case may be. You have to look at their in-ring work the character and the wrestler are different from the person and what's going on behind the scenes and so you have to separate that when you're analyzing stuff like legacy and career and influence I think all that's going to be fine with her but just know just know that there's other things about her and just just like anybody there's good and there's bad and that I don't think taking her name off this thing's really a big deal Um, see I don't know why people are going
3: absolutely crazy and talking about it and why they won't let it go i mean this has been what almost two weeks now this has been a constant i don't well, I mean it's I'll, been decided it's over. yeah now. but I, I don't know why it's right it's been decided it's over but yet people out there are still throwing up well did she did she not well is she is she not it it, it, does this affect her? Does it not? It, they can't let it go, and so that's the only reason I'm bringing it up is, is because now, you know, it's it's still being talked about, and unfortunately, she's not here to defend herself or explain.
2: That's I know that, that's very true. I mean that's and so uh, a lot of pro wrestlers aren't here, and so a lot of stories we hear about any pro wrestler I mean it's there's no way to go back to the source so um, we're only going by what we have in front of us and And so
3: I, I feel like constantly bringing it up every single day by more and more women wrestlers past and present is only just creating more
2: heartache or problems instead of just letting it go I don't see a problem with it being discussed um you really don't no not a problem with it being discussed because i mean we're not here to pass well, see, judgment i'm not here to pass judgment i'm just talking about allegations i guess
3: i guess here's here's why i have a problem with it being discussed is because i think it is it's it's like we talked about last week you're not you're, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty but realistically you're guilty and then you have to prove your innocence well, yeah. And so... And that's unfortunate. But, I, I feel like sh- she's not here to defend herself. But if and- she was
2: ever in a position, put herself in a position, just like... I, this is a terrible example I'm going to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. Just like Enzo Amore. He's got terrible allegations against him about something that happened in Phoenix. Okay? Right. right. We don't know what happened. It hasn't even... He hasn't even been charged with anything yet. Um, but just the fact that he put himself in that situation... To where he was with those people. I mean, that has been proven. That part has been proven. Not necessarily with the victim, but with the two people the victim alleges were with him. He there was a picture of him with them. And now, if you put yourself in positions like that, and I'm, and if Mula was put in positions like that, where she, you don't even want to be near something that could be construed badly. You have to right. really, and wrestlers, especially female wrestlers weren't viewed as public figures so they probably didn't keep that in the back of their mind back in the 70s and 80s or whenever these these things happened or whatever but you can't put yourself in positions where like you said last week about I start out buying a Snickers bar and by the end of the story I've robbed the store of all the Snickers bars and killed everybody in the convenience store Yeah, because but you need to avoid situations where it can be misconstrued or it can be spun you just have to really watch your behavior and really, honestly, document everything you do from now on, especially in the social media age. Everywhere you go, write it down. You know, have a receipt. Tell people what you're doing. That way, nothing – I mean, because like you said, yeah, there is a presumption of guilt that that's that unfair. Um, but you need to avoid situations. If I go to a drug den and maybe I'm there to try to talk people out of using drugs – all of a sudden, it turns out, Alex is down at the crack house. So, uh, you know, it's... Right. So you just have to avoid situations like that. So if Mula is sitting with a wrestling promoter, and another young female wrestler comes into the room, it might look a little shady.
3: Right. And it's... Uh, I want to use this example. Uh, it is Sunday, and I'm probably going to hell for using this example. Um, it's like a preacher going to a, inside a bar to tell you not to drink right yeah but yet some, he's a drunk somebody from his congregation drives down the street as he's walking near and walking out was like hey there goes the preacher into the bar what the hell exactly so, i mean it's kind of
2: so that's that's all i i would advise just in general and and not just for wrestlers but in life just don't put yourself in situations right where things can be misconstrued exactly true or false keep yourself out of situations that might look shady. Yeah. I mean, and so we'll never know what happened with Mula, but this year it's it's been decided or whatever. One thing, one last thing about the Mula thing and this doesn't really have to do with her. I think the the, the WWE has done a terrible job talking about the other female wrestlers uh before Mula of the golden age of wrestling, the black and white, I agree. Uh, you know, when the Hall of Fame, when they do those, like, oh, legacy inductees, and they show you a two-second clip. I agree. That doesn't tell me anything about them. And I think they've done a terrible job about that, about educating those lesser-known but still influential female wrestlers. I mean, there was somebody before Moolah. I agree. You know, and, and nobody is going to get her story because this company controls all the history. You know, you have to go out of your way to find out about these other people when the company that produces these amazing documentaries just skims right over it. And so yeah. I just think that they could they could do a better job educating the public about other great female wrestlers and other great male wrestlers too of the golden era and they just don't. Just and that goes back to a few weeks ago when I talked about how Vince just didn't doesn't respect NWA wrestling. He doesn't respect the old He took it from wrestling to sports entertainment because he had no respect for the business. I mean, he saw the money, he saw the opportunity of it, he saw the opportunity in it, but he wanted to take it out of what it was and turn it into something else, and that's what he did. Vince loves wrestling, don't get me wrong. Vince, but does he though? Vince, See, now this this could be a whole podcast in itself. He does because Vince I mean, loves bodybuilding. That's
3: for well, sure. Well, no, it goes right back to I remember when we did uh, his uh, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre match. Vince
2: will do. Oh, he wanted to be a wrestler.
3: Yeah. Vince will do anything for wrestling. Vince loves wrestling. So let's not let's not let's not say he doesn't. But Vince loves money, and Vince knows money. Wrestling can only make so much money, but sports entertainment can make a lot more. I don't think Vince has a lot of respect for
2: wrestling outside of what happened in his father's company.
3: That's a fair assumption and to make. Yeah,
2: I agree. I would agree with that. A father that, you know, the story of Vince Jr. going to meet his father, it's just crazy. I mean, how he didn't even know his father. Went up there and met him and then got locked into this business like... This yeah. long lost father and then then everything that... His whole life has really been crazy as far as like coming from nothing into this billionaire. Um, but yeah, so... He is a self-made billionaire. You cannot take that away from him. Yeah, but I just don't think his... And I, I think this will change, like I say every time. I think when, once Triple H assumes more power in this company, I think you'll see more... Historical things because Triple H is a historian at heart, a, a pro wrestling as, fan. as I am. I'm well, a, yeah. I'm a
3: I'm a I'm a huge historian.
2: Right. Yeah. So I, and I just don't think Vince just doesn't want to invest the time and money into making documentaries about that era. Yeah. And so I just think that's kind of sad.
3: All right. So I got three more, but um. No, that's fine. This is our last major controversial one that I know is going to... had you fired up last week. So the CEO of Aero Lucha, which we talked about that are... Oh
2: yeah, Ron and Don.
3: Ron yeah. and Don. Uh, the CEO has spoke out and said that Ron and Don are not Nazi sympathizers. I know. I not, saw
2: the uh, statement that, oh, it was part of their biker characters. It was part of their... So... But Patrick. I... I
3: listen. Hey, I... I What you do is what you do. Ain't none of my damn business. I know. I I am not going to sit right here and trash talk the men, because I would love to work for them, (laughs) so do not get me wrong. That's fine. The comments that were made last week and the comments that were made... Further this week are strictly f- from your mouth only because oh, okay. I have the possibility of working for these co- these guys and would love that that great opportunity.
2: That's fine. You can go work for Nazis. Enjoy See? yourself. Damn yeah. it. Damn it. See, I and mean, look. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of neo Nazis out there that don't have tattoos. <laughs> there are. There's a lot of racists that don't wear a tattoo that says, "Hey, I'm a racist." <laughs> And so, yeah, a lot of people do work for people like that. But these guys, look, even if it was for a gimmick, and even if it's some sort of biker thing, which I think it is, don't ever put, you know, the SS symbol on your arms. Nazi propaganda on your body. I mean, no. Sorry. That's one thing that doesn't fucking fly for me. And that's like if someone started... If they had an Arab wrestler, Mustafa Ali... Yeah. Uh, we need you to go get an ISIS tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Some things I draw the line at. Yeah. I No, I understand. And so, sorry, Don, Ron and Don, whatever story there may be about how they ended up on your body and if they were real or fake, and I, I think they've since been removed, either by laser or if they were fake, they just washed them off. Don't put that shit on your body. One time I saw a video, terrible angle. They had Jim the Anvil Nineheart, come in to face it was an indie show some strange indie show in 95 Jim the Anvil uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart is wrestling a black wrestler and they had him come out dressed as a member of the clan, Patrick really yes yeah, hood and all really and he took it off to reveal that he's Jim the Anvil Neidhart some shit I just that doesn't fly with me yeah and SS tattoos and shit doesn't fly with me. But I wish them the best of luck with their company. (laughs) I know it sounds weird, but I like wrestling, and I like wrestling promotions, so best of luck to them. Guys, I would gladly still like to come and work for you, so please,
3: do not take the comments made further in any way, shape, form, or fashion. They did not come for me, so. (laughs) Alright, now, off of the, the, the hard stuff, to some lightly... Nice conversation. Um Jim Johnston. We all know Jim Johnston. The all, music man. We all love Jim Johnston. Jim Johnston is selling some of his music memorabilia.
2: He's got a mastering EQ for sale, and then he's got some amplifier-looking items. I'm sorry, I'm not a musician, so I don't know what these other two items are for. Um I'm bringing it up here, too,
3: so we can... uh He's selling them at
2: Reverb.com. The cheapest one you can buy is $800, and it's a 50-watt high-gain Marshall amplifier. We have a... Pickup from my studio, greatly preferred, so hey, if you buy this, Patrick, you can make the drive out to Jim Johnston's house, or studio, I guess, and... uh pick it up for him jcm 900 see in our city chattanooga we have a a guitar museum songbirds they would be able to tell me what all this shit was here but i was really hoping to see some uh lyric sheets i know that he i mean most of his songs had like four lyrics total but yeah you can buy some jim johnson music equipment well he he
3: did come out and say that this is 100 uh what he used while creating some of his legendary theme songs. So
2: And like I said some of the, if I was a musician some of that might interest me but like I said what I'd rather see is actual like you know written out lyrics or demo recordings or Oh demos great yeah like early versions that never made it to air Just like
3: yeah or or just sit down jam
2: sessions that turned into something you know just yeah, like long like, rare recordings Yeah yeah, stuff like that, that would mean something to me. Like I, that would be interested I'd be interested in that more than the music equipment. But it's kinda sad to see Jim Johnson selling his uh, old stuff. I'm sure he has nice newer it's all digital now, so he yeah. doesn't need some of this stuff now. But uh yeah, Jim should be in the Hall of Fame, but no Kid Rock instead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's your that's your musician. Yeah, They'll that's the musician who's contributed yeah. uh, to the company.
3: Uh last, but certainly not least what are your thoughts Monday night on the Ultimate Deletion? Now, I thought it was I, we're going to spend some time on this because this this was a now, this was a long awaited match to finally
2: happen. Now, I I presumed last week incorrectly that the live audience would have to watch this. They didn't have to watch this. Instead, they got Ronda Rousey. They got Ronda Rousey, but the TV crowd didn't. And to me, that's a big misstep on the on the WWE's part. It makes it special for the live crowd, but she is in one of the biggest matches at Mania. Like, she comes out to the ring and Dana Brooke says, Ah, oh, you're not anything great. I'm Dana Brooke, and poses, and Ronda just chucks her across the ring. Oh, awesome. And then I think there was a, a Braun Strowman segment. To, uh, no, a Drifter. Drifter came out and played the guitar, and... Ron Strowman ran him off, so they got live entertainment while we got the Ultimate Deletion now. I'm sorry. I loved it. Oh, well, I liked certain parts about it, but I don't like it as much as I liked the Impact versions. The,
3: the stupid one that I really was like... that When he is standing there and he's trying to decide if he's gonna run oh, right yes. over with the lawnmower or the rolling chair... Is,
2: the chair of wheels or the mower of lawns, Patrick? Yes, yes. Yeah, we got to make sure we get that properly correct. I thought there <laughs> should have been more stunts in it. I mean, the one that he had with Jeff, they're shooting Roman candles at each other. I know that's not going to fly in the WWE, but I yeah. thought that they could have found some other things for them to do. Like, that part when they're like running through the forest or whatever, I was just kind of bored with that. Um, the Lake of Rejuvenation was not used at all. I mean it was used to delete Bray Wyatt, but the whole point of the Lake of Rejuvenation is for something to emerge. So I guess in a few weeks we'll see a new Bray Wyatt of sorts. This is his write off as far as I can tell. Uh, he will re reemerge from the Lake of Rejuvenation, but that's all the a lot of the comedy elements that made it work so well in Impact were missing. And that yeah. kind of disappointed me. Yeah. Is far but I have to applaud them for doing something different because yeah. every week I I talk about Raw being so boring week to week and a few weeks back they had that uh gauntlet match that went like 2 hours and that was something they'd never do you know it's, they they tried something new and, and it, in my opinion it worked it a worked. lot of people seemed uh pleased by it I was slightly disappointed but it was still it was still good they gave it a go they gave it a try and they did better than the House of Horrors match so oh yeah um, way better um and I'm I hope that this does mean a new Bray Wyatt character because anything to get him off the TV and get him something this man has lost all his steam everyone in the Wyatt family is in a better position than he is think about that for a second I don't know man the Bludgeon Brothers really they've got a tag title shot at Mania really Bray Wyatt's not in anything Really? Bray Wyatt's in a lake right now. (laughs) Yeah. And Braun Strowman is also in a tag team title match by himself, which we have to, they've alluded to a mystery partner. Now... How do you think it's going to be? Well, my dream, Patrick. Here's what doesn't make sense. Two last news items before we move on to Living Dangerously 2000. Before we live dangerously, I'll touch on two more things. Um... We've established that Braun Strowman is superhuman. He won a tag team battle royal by himself to get a shot at the bar. So technically, he doesn't need a partner. However, they are forcing him to have one. Angle wants him to have one. So Who's his partner? Gilbert? Close. I was going to say, it's time to give old James Ellsworth a call. Oh, dude, it went through my mind too. Because Braun doesn't need a partner. And and Braun's catchphrase is, get these hands. Yeah. Well, join up with Ellsworth, get these hands a fight and chance. It's made, it's, and I can't claim ownership of that idea. That was Wei Ting, who I listened to, who came up with that. But that is my dream scenario. See, I was thinking the same thing. I, and I it would make even... it full circle. The full first circle,
3: team... because Braun, him Braun beating the shit out of Ellsworth is what made Ellsworth... A star, a yeah, star. He got him a year in the company, yeah, and and so I I agree, dude, and they go to Mania and they win the damn titles, and James Ellsworth's a tag champion. That'd be huge.
2: Now, what I'm afraid they're going to do, and what I think they're probably going to do, and which would totally, to me, slow Bronze momentum. First of all, he doesn't need to be in this tag team very long at all. No, this needs to be. Like a month. Right. This needs to be quick. Yeah. Because this guy, is, this guy is a superstar. Yeah. This guy needs to be in singles matches.
3: Do not lose him in, in that tag team bullshit. Yeah, don't... Don't... Yeah, no.
2: Yeah, because you'll lose all that momentum if he's taking on the revival every week or whatever. Yeah. So, but what I think they're going to do, they have two options here that I think they're going to take, because he's a big man, big cast has been cleared... To return the rumor is so i think that big Cass will be his partner but then you can have dissension I, and then you can have the big men fight eventually i'd be happy with that yeah but he doesn't need see it just goes against but see here's the thing big cast
3: doesn't need him and he doesn't need big Cass. so they can still break off rather quickly and
2: have great runs as singles wrestlers yeah or because it's mania and we need a surprise I know you're going to not like this idea, but Bobby Lashley as bronze. It would get a huge pop for a return. Well, that's like saying Batista. And I, think, I know. I
3: think you'd be better off with getting Batista to do it than you would Lashley, because I don't think Lashley wants...
2: I don't think the crowd would respond that well to Lashley. Really. I don't think they would either. But And I they think definitely aren't going to for Batista. Well, I know that, yeah. But I don't... But that's the direction i think they're gonna go but like i said i'd rather see james ellsworth because this man doesn't need a partner i actually rather see him just do it by himself no i'd like to see
3: ellsworth come in but not even tag just stand on the fucking apron have Braun be like listen don't move yeah just have him mic'd up or something or have a camera pick it up and be like hey stand right here don't move don't do a damn thing He turns around, runs right through the bar, takes the titles, and walks the fuck out.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ellsworth doesn't even get the belt. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. He just follow. He just trails Braun around with both belts until he drops them. You know. So. And then the next night on Raw, he
3: ends up losing them by himself. It's a one time thing for Ellsworth. He loses them the very next night because it's like a. Tag team turmoil or some bullshit, and it takes all eight or ten guys to beat the shit out of him to finally pin him.
2: Yeah, and then Ellsworth can go back to the indie team. Exactly. They don't even have to sign him long term. And
3: then that that I feel like that's the best way to
2: to run that whole scenario. And one final note: my favorite guy in the world, JBL. He was stirring the marks, as I as they say. Uh, on twitter he's very good at this this is what he lives for this is what he sits around his computer now since he's essentially unemployed uh and uh stirs the marks and he decided to attack dave melzer and call out dave melzer for being a bad reporter oh we've been feeding him information for years why does anyone still listen to dave melzer i just find that to be one of the dumbest things jbl's ever said uh, on air or online because Dave Meltzer is the forefather of reporting. He's the one that legitimized wrestling at reporting. He is the greatest pro wrestling reporter ever. And this podcast the other wrestling podcast wouldn't exist a lot of wrestling fans wouldn't still be into wrestling if it wasn't for dave Meltzer inventing the idea of dirt sheets the wrestling observer newsletter knowing what's going on behind the scenes that's what half of this is that you know half of my love of pro wrestling is it's the only industry where we get to see behind the curtain where we get to speculate about items that get out from you know within the company it's no other sport is like this. I don't ever, I can't get inside the Atlanta Braves locker room and, and hear what's, you know, what this player thinks in this player or, or stuff like that or who's getting a push, you know, like, yeah, I don't get that. Right. But I do from wrestling news sites, and without Dave Meltzer, none of this would exist. And so I just think it's stupid. Yeah, he's wrong sometimes, but a lot of wrestling reporters are wrong sometimes. There was one a couple years ago. It was either Eisenberg or Labar, two guys that used to be at WrestleZone. not sure where they work now, but they're at a different wrestling website. One of them said, WWE to buy Impact, sale imminent. Tweeted it out. Was completely wrong. But that doesn't ruin his credibility for me, because sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you take a shot. That's the that's the thing about wrestling reporting is because sometimes or we don't even know because we don't know how close they actually were to buying it. Maybe he had there was some truth there. So, I just think it was stupid to criticize Meltzer of all people, especially from JBL. And uh Meltzer took it with a grain of salt, said it was a great compliment. So, uh Big Dave is the best. I'm sorry, like he's the godfather of wrestling reporting. And so He's the man. Yeah, I put him and Bill, Bill... Well, Bill After. After worked kayfabe reporting. That's the only difference. Yeah. Uh, Bill After did a great job at what he did, but he yeah. stayed within the, 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 the rules, you know? Yeah. And now, now he doesn't, because that's all gone. But um, Meltzer, as far as being able to get you the inside story, the stuff they don't want you to know, I mean, Meltzer... And when the steroid scandal struck, Meltzer was on TV he was the only he was one of the only legitimized reporters that people go to like because the outside world people that aren't into wrestling don't understand it no and Meltzer's a guy that can help people understand it and he's a huge historian he has a hall of fame for the Wrestling Observer newsletter that has qualifications of who gets in he has explanations of who they are does great write-ups when wrestlers pass away his uh, entire archive is online he used to go down to Kinko's and copy these things and send them out through the mail i mean this guy put in a ton of work and it was just really upsetting to me to see a wrestler of all people a guy that basically benefits from Meltzer's work saying oh Meltzer sucks don't listen to melzer well, jbl's it's, a piece of shit i know and jbl says oh listen to sam roberts and uh, peter rosenberg because they're on the take did he really say that he said well he said they have credibility because they get paid Fuck
3: by the that
2: So anyway, okay,
3: no, now, now I'm pissed. Give me, there's no anyway to it. Hang on a minute. Peter Rosenberg needs to whatever the hell he did before he got into radio and being uh, with WWE needs to go back to it because he is that bad. I mean, he won't stand up for his own damn two feet and say what he thinks because he's on the take.
2: He can't be an objective reporter. And, I mean, I've always liked Sam Roberts, but... I think Sam Roberts is hilarious. He's on a show with Jim Norton that's just a normal comedy show. Yeah. it's fine. And he's a huge fan of the sport. But when you take money from the WWE and then start a wrestling podcast, your credibility is shot with me because you're on the take. Right. So... I I see that. I see that point. Now, WWE, if you'd like to send me money, though, that's different. That's (laughs) totally different. That doesn't ruin our credibility at all uh we'd be straight to the point
3: well my credibility is that i'm the greatest of all time so right i mean that's
2: hard to top well patrick it's time to go back to the year 2000 wow you are welcome flying cars the future is upon us patrick imagine the year 2000 y2k might hit you know things jetpacks Jetpacks, yeah, you know, The Rocketeer was a great film. We were all going to fly around. The Jetsons was basically, led me to believe the year 2000 was going to be kick-ass. Yeah. And then around, like, the mid-90s, I looked at the calendar and I said, Hey, we're not too far away from this, and uh, we're not anywhere near all this other shit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the year 2000 kind of let you down based on all the sci-fi stuff. I guess they just liked using the year 2000. It just sounded, oh, so far away. Really wasn't that far away. And uh, turns out we didn't get flying cars, but we did get ECW Living Dangerously, which was your pick for this week. It was. March 12th, 2000, in front of 5,000 extremists, as the WWE would call them, at the O'Neill Center in Danbury, Connecticut, as things were going pretty swell in ECW. Fairly swell. Oh, they still had their TNN deal. Well paul Heyman hated it and cut a terrible promo on it tonight well he cut a good promo on how terrible it was tonight i love
3: his his if you haven't seen it you need to look it up his uh his throw
2: me off the air
3: yeah i love that promo because he literally that that is a shoot he i mean he is i dare you do it so
2: it's great but yeah they still had uh they had a video game deal oh boy and those highlights from that video game that was awesome the, right Oh, those were no fire pro wrestling uh graphic. joey styles joey styles taking on cyrus of course the first match you'd go to in any wrestling video well, game. yeah because i'm gonna skip over the legendary
3: dusty Rhodes in that video game to be able to play as cyrus
2: <laughs> so well we missed our dark match mikey whipwreck defeated pitbull number one in a singles match Pitbull number one. Time unknown. Oh, time unknown. Wow, yeah. a little mysterious there. Yeah, no one, no one timed it. So the show starts with the sinister minister talking about the seven deadly ECW sins, and he even mentions wrath. He buries his old WCW uh, guy here in the middle of his uh, promo that seat, man, squashing
3: all the and uh, Brian Clark. Brian Clark. Yeah.
2: Yeah. burying poor Port Brian Clark in this promo. Brian Clark, not an ECW, so, but his name was Wrath, and Wrath is a sin, right, or whatever. So apparently, an ECW, it is. Yeah, it's a sin. So sinister minister. This was his one contribution tonight. Yeah, it was just to open the show for I'm us. I'm pretty
3: sure he came out though with, uh, with um, Mikey Whipwreck though, in that dark oh, match because he he did manage him so.
2: Yes. Strangely, as the Sinister Minister goes over these sins, the camera pans out, and we see that Sinister Minister is the only person in the arena. And then they dissolve to a live shot of the arena, so it was very bizarre. Yeah. Like, why did you do this? Like, okay, I'm in empty seats with the, lights, with the house lights on, dissolved to a crowd. It was... As a director, I was not pleased with this uh, transition. It,
3: it almost made me think that they were trying to go with like sensors, uh, ma- like magic, magic or yeah. dark powers or something.
2: Yeah, but with ECW's budget, that's all they could yeah. come up with. It wasn't good. It I'm, was just no saying, I'm just from saying. I'm just saying that was the
3: plan, in my opinion.
2: I'm not saying that it was good. This crowd is rabid, Patrick. They were hot at the start of this match because Joey Styles, come on, guys, ECW, ECW, ECW. This pay-per-view sponsored by Hardcore Revolution, the video game, which I owned as a child and I recently repurchased. Still have my very first copy to this day. It was basically a clone if you played WWF, Attitude, or Warzone. It's the exact same, same engine, damn thing uh, with different wrestlers. Hardcore Revolution, though, was rated... Uh, M for Mature, so they did say, I think, fuck in it or something, but then the next game that came out, Anarchy Rules, they had one more video game, was rated T for Teen, so they cut that out, but they did add the Inferno match to it, which was why I wanted to buy that game, and it really stunk, because you'd throw the, there was like a lava pit around the ring, and you'd throw them in there, and they would have this really shitty kind of effect to take them over. Oh, and burn uh, them alive or whatever and that's how you won. It wasn't like an actual WWE awesome. Inferno match. Anarchy Rules. There you go, guys. So check that out. I actually bought this game for the Sega Dreamcast. So there you go. I had mine. Mine's for Nintendo 64. So, Joel Gertner cuts another adults-only promo. Well, well, well. Where he talks about having sex with a woman and then this bastard he made her buy a ticket. That's right. Even though he got in for free. Cyrus the Virus is here next. He represents the network. First of all, I just want to say
3: how great Joel Gertner is, and I hope you put the whole thing in here. Oh, it'll be in there. Yes. But...
5: And well, well, well... It is I, the Quintessential Stud Muffin, Joel... This girl I know wanted to see the show live here in Conet Ticket. So I told her to bend over and I'd show her where I'd stick it. For 45 minutes, she proceeded to tease and please and lick it but when all was said and done, you know I made her buy a ticket!
1: Gertner! Excuse me! Excuse me!
5: I guess, I guess we all know what I am.
1: I guess we all
5: know what I am. I'm Network. I'm TNN. You see, Gertner, that type of lascivious, disgusting promo is exactly what we at the network don't like. It's bad enough that we have to put up with you every week on TNN, but of course, you deliver that all-important 18 to 34-year-old gay male demographic. <laughs> Women. So, you know what, Joel? <laughs> I suggest you go back to whatever drive-thru you hit on the way over here and let the greatest color commentator in all of wrestling handle this pay-per-view, okay? Cyrus, what you don't understand is that this is an ECW pay-per-view production. Network production, which means I don't have to watch my mouth quite so much, asshole. And you, you have absolutely no jurisdiction, so why don't you get to stepping and leave me to do what you try to do on pay-per-view oh so poorly. Joel, I tried to be network about this, I tried to be a gentleman. Let me put this in a terminology that even you can understand. Get your fat ass out of here, or I am gonna beat your ass right here on Pay Per View. that hot about it if it means that much to you joel god bless you you do the pay-per-view i'll just leave you do the pay-per-view
3: i love him feuding with cyrus
2: this is great announcer feuds don't do much for me really really yeah, I like the two of these guys, though. I really like Cyrus on commentary. He's, he, he's ex- good. Yeah, he's He gets excellent. heat Don really Calix. quick. He
3: gets re- heat really quickly.
2: Oh, and some of the stuff he says. I love Joey Styles will just stop dead in his tracks sometime and be like, did you just really say that? And just like, the yeah. they had great uh, chemistry, the yeah, two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So he represents the network. He says the network hates Joel Gertner. But he delivers that important 18-34 to 34 gay demographic that the network is looking for. The crowd does not like this. Fuck him up, Gertner chants break out. Gertner calls Cyrus an asshole and says to get out. Cyrus says he's going to beat Gertner's ass if he doesn't leave. So when Gertner steps up like he's going to fight, Cyrus says, Eh, I don't, I don't really want to fight. I'll, I'll just go. So Gertner turns around and then Cyrus blindsides him with a super kick. Yep, as uh, Cyrus getting a little physical here, little sweet chin music. Yeah, the Jackal from WWF here getting uh, physical. Joey Styles then say, makes the save, of course. Who do you? Who is your knight in shining armor in a time of crisis? Little Joey Styles wrestles Cyrus off. So it's it's amazing they were able to sit next to each other and do commentary the rest of the night after getting in the scuffle. But got physical, yeah. But. Anyway, we get the ECW sizzle reel, as we're used to, and we're off to the races. Steve Carino and Jack Victory are in the ring, and he's cutting a promo, but someone fucks up and starts playing a pre-tape promo in the background, which throws Carino off because he hears it over the speakers, so he totally stumbles, and then when the crowd calls him out on stumbling, he says, well, you're a bunch of fucking douchebags. Then... He spots a woman in the crowd. Another woman. There are two women here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Two women. (laughs) It's a record. Uh, Only, only, uh, yes. In an ECW arena, there are two women at one time. Only this happens to be Sandman's wife, Lori. And he walks over to her, and he says, Hey, mm, this this is bad. Yes, this is uh, not the women's evolution. No, here. this is really bad. He goes and finds the Sandman's wife, which with apparently the Sandman's children sitting next to her. Yes, they were. He calls her the biggest douchebag of them all. Yes, Lori, he does. Mrs. Sandman, gets very angry. She does. As Carino then slut-shames her in front of her son, saying that she's been with the whole locker room. And then finally he finishes it off by calling her a whore. And this makes Lori stand up and smacks the shit out of him. Tonight, the
1: old-school hero, Steve Carino, dangerously is gonna make history! After myself! And tonight, I am a- I look around this arena! And all I see is a bunch of drunk- deviant douchebags. Oh, wait a second. I see the biggest douchebag of them all. Ladies and gentlemen, This is an honor and a privilege to finally see you face to face, Lori. You know, I've heard all the stories. I mean, you are a whole I mean, remember Raven, the guy you left your husband for? That was no angle. I have it on good authority that he was giving it to you in the bathroom. Hey, you little bastard, why don't you shut up? The Sandman's not even your real dad. Hey Lori, I I think I'm the only one you haven't put over yet. So why don't you put me over live on pay-per-view, you whore?
3: Yeah, he he, with innuendos, ask can uh, is Lori going to put him
2: over? And so that was that so sickening. Yes. So he gets smacked and he does not like this. And no. Steve Carino then drags Lori into the ring. Rhino, who's also a woman beater, comes out and holds her. So then Carino threatens to whip it out. And when I say it, yes. I mean it looks like we're about to witness a very very bad crime of which Enzo Amore is currently accused of. But Sandman, luckily, the husband of Lori comes out for the save. Unfortunately, he sucks, and he gets a pile driver from Rhino, and Lori gets a gore through a table. Then Sandman covers Lori with his own body. He will take the beating from here on out, even though she has already been gored. As the security goons come in to break it up, Cyrus says she shouldn't have hit a wrestler. She got what she deserved. Wonderful. <laughs> Sandman then does not wait for paramedics as they probably weren't there and scoops Lori up despite her having possibly a broken neck just slings her up and carries her to the back Sandman is in a match tonight wonder if he'll make it doesn't look good Carino comes back to the ring grabs the mic says one whore down one to go (laughs) he's gonna kick Dusty Rhodes fat ass if you will Now, Dusty Rhodes comes out, and remember that reception he got at Greed? Well, didn't quite get a great one here. I mean, he got a decent... He got a pretty good one. But this is a crowd that has been trained to hate the NWA. I mean, the the Shane Douglas throwing the title down promo was to shit on the NWA. True. And that kind of wrestling history, and yet here we are, sort of like when... WWF brought Warrior back and was shitting on the old people in WCW. Here we have ECW, the Renegades, the Rebels, bringing in the old guard, Dusty Rhodes. Now, Dusty Rhodes, this is actually their blow-off match because Steve Carino beat Dusty Rhodes at Cyberslam 2000 in a singles match. With Jack Victory. So this is the blow-off match, and of course... They had had
3: on Hardcore TV two or three run-ins together with a tag match. I think it was Dusty and Tommy Dreamer against uh, Steve Carino and uh, Jack Victory. And so uh, uh, there has been multiple multiple matches in this feud, but this is, this is it. This is the last one. This is the blow-off match. Because Dusty's had enough of Carino talking shit.
2: He's decided to have a Texas bull rope match with Steve Carino. Right away, we get the bionic elbow to Carino. He's out. Match over. No, just kidding. Dusty then grabs the cowbell, which is, of course, in the middle of the bull rope. This is the key. Needs more cowbell. Yes. This is the key to victory here. And he carves Carino's head with the bell. Disgusting. Dusty then takes Carino through the crowd, elbows him, before finally Carino fights back and decks Dusty with the bell, and now carves it into Dusty's head. Jack Victory helps out occasionally, but not much. The camera, because ECW only had like three camera operators, loses them as they battle through the crowd, so I don't know what's happening now. They eventually spot them, and Dusty beats Carino down with the cowbell. They walk and brawl back towards the ring, Victory slows down Dusty, and Carino goes on the attack, including biting Dusty Rhodes' head. What is so tasty about this man's blood, Patrick? Everyone wants to bite Dusty Rhodes.
3: Well, I mean, you know, the DNA of the American dream is just what everybody has to have, apparently.
2: I mean, after... Oh, bunkhouse stampede? Oh, yeah, the bunkhouse stampede. Everyone was thirsty for Dusty's blood, and here we are... 12 yeah. years later people still want to oh yeah bunkhouse they
3: were gnawing on his head on his arm uh, he that poor man was bleeding all over the place but here i mean they're
2: just gnawing on his head like it's a piece of meat jack victory says you know what we don't have enough plunder dusty needs plunder everyone needs plunder so he gives carino a chair but dream yanks the bull rope and sends carino face first into the chair that was set up in the ring Dusty then uses the cowbell to carve a little bit more. This time, he uses Carino's arm. I've already cut your face. I'll cut your arm now. Slices it wide open. Carino then wedges a the chair in the turnbuckle. But, of course, you set it up, you go through it. in pro wrestling. Carino gets thrown into it and gets another bionic elbow. Carino then recovers and bionic elbow's Dusty. How dare you? A bionic elbow to Dusty only drops Dusty to a knee, you see. You can't hit the man with his own finisher. Yeah, no. Jack Victory takes a bell shot from Dusty, then Carino takes a bell shot. Rhodes steals some tape that Victory was trying to give Carino. Like some uh wrist tape. Some athletic tape. Yeah, and tapes the bell to Carino's head with the ref's help. Yeah. A ref who had been at odds with Carino. You dirty ref! You should not have been assigned Don't this match. Don't put your damn
3: hands on me! Don't if hey if Carino beat this ref to a bloody pulp and had he had to be carried out a couple weeks ago. So you know what? The referee's getting getting what he you know he deserves. He's he, or getting what he's got coming to him by getting you know revenge on on these these horrible guys that beat him up.
2: So. They tape the bell to Carino's head, but it doesn't quite work well, so the ref kind of has to hold it with, like, one finger. (laughs) So as he's holding it down with one finger, smacks Carino in the head with the chair, with the bell attached. Then the ref flips off Carino, Dusty flips off the crowd, and Dusty drops the big elbow and wins this Texas bull rope match in dramatic fashion. Yeah. And then would head back to WCW shortly thereafter. He dropped the atomic elbow, and that was it. You're not getting up from that one. No, it's done. It's over. The dream, if you will. Surprised this was the first match on the card, honestly. But I guess Dusty wanted to get out of there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dusty's like, screw this shit. I'm getting out of here while I can. This is very unusual. This is uh, what intrigued me about it is that it's Dusty Rhodes in ECW. Yeah. I mean, that's all you need to know about this match to want to watch it because it's so weird. It's 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 one of the weird matchups in pro wrestling it's sort of like when mike awesome had to fight taz mike awesome worked for wcw taz worked for wwf and they fought in ecw it's one of those weird things that yeah. happened in pro wrestling where i would never in a million years think dusty Rhodes would go to ecw even just to help out backstage yeah right it's, it's, wrestle. it's one of those
3: weird moments like you know rick Roode being on raw and nitro the same night you know yeah, like it's it's just one of those freak things that you never really thought would happen or expect, and when it did, it was it was so cool. But yet, like you said, it was like I want to cheer for him because he's fucking Dusty Rhodes. But at the same point yeah, time, yeah, you're like, standing
2: next to somebody possibly at the arena who's going to be like, "Fuck you, man! Dusty yeah. Rhodes is the past." Yeah. Like, So yeah, it is kind of that, uh, it's just a very strange thing. For that reason alone, you need to check out the match. I don't think the match was really that great. These Texas Bull Rope matches, uh, I thought there was a better one on that Starcade that we watched. There were two better ones, uh, well, that involved Bull Ropes of sorts, uh, on that Starcade that we watched. Uh, This one was fine, uh, but just for the intrigue of seeing Dusty Rhodes and Steve Carino, two people that I would never think would even meet up in a wrestling ring,
3: Oh, see, and and Steve is – I love Steve Carino. He's a good buddy of mine. And and to hear him tell this story of finally getting to work with his his idol, his hero, and to have this run, it's – he still is a fond memory to him. And something that I think wrestling fans have come to love, Uh, if you go back and watch uh, hardcore TV, you can see the – the build up to this and it, it's just done so well
2: and kind of a fitting end to the whole story now steve carino works at nxt where dusty roads where dusty yeah it's kind of weird oh by the way i you mentioned how this was a strange matchup well patrick your your wish came true this week on wwe network because wcw thunder has finally arrived yes and in the very first episode Chris Jericho fights Ric Flair. You watched the first one. I, I watched, did. I watched the I, first one as well. Well, I couldn't believe how much recap was in the show. The live crowd only saw four matches, probably out of it was a three hour broadcast. The very first Thunder, yes, and it was mostly recaps of Nitro. They showed uh, the Larry Zibisco, the entire Larry zabisco Bischoff fight from Starcade '97. You, uh,
3: you had Savage and um Yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage and. Gentleman Chris Adams from yeah, World that was Class the first match. was
2: the very first match ever on th- uh, Thunder. Which was, of course, a fuck finish because it was overturned by JJ later in the show. Well, yeah, because uh, R-
3: Luger comes out with the uh, the chair and attacks Luger Savage. was,
2: well, we can save all this for a Thunder review. Anyway, I saw, but I was thinking of unusual matchups, and I was, when I watched that Jericho match with Ric Flair, I was just thinking, Jericho must have been through the fucking roof knowing that he got to wrestle Ric Flair, like... Yeah! wow like I mean because he was saddled with all these cruiserweights not that that was a bad thing they had awesome matches but now here he is on this debut episode of Thunder wrestling the 13 time champ like I thought it was really cool like right. he put on a good show it was the best match of the, of the night of of the 4 or 5 matches that we actually got on that episode but it just reminded me of unusual matchups like Steve Carino and um, Dusty Rhodes here yeah, it's not uh
3: you think of Terry Funk and you think of hardcore. Yeah. So so as a legend Terry Funk is it's it's understandable.
2: Well, and he he had to win over the ECW crowd. I'm sure when they first brought him in, I'm sure a lot of the ECW crowd was probably like, "No. No." And and weren't familiar with his work in Japan and that he was a different wrestler than the one that they had seen in the NWA. And so for Dusty to come in,
3: you know, it was like, it wasn't like Terry Funk. It was, here's a guy who really didn't do a lot of hardcore, but then you start looking back and you're like, okay, yeah, he actually did, because it was hardcore before we called it hardcore. And so... Yeah, he was. It, it it took some time to build
2: into it, but like you said, the scars on this man's forehead tells you that he was doing a lot of uh, violent matches yeah. for a very long time before ECW got into the business. So, uh, yeah, just a very unusual match. It's worth checking out just because it's it's it. It's not really a long match, no. and it's it's. Just it's an easy watch, and it's something that for historical purposes, if you
3: if you don't even want to watch the whole pay per view, I mean, yeah, it's the you could first. Stop.
2: Actually, I think you could stop here. Honestly. It's the
3: first match on the card, so
2: <laughs> I mean, hit it, quit it, move on. It's I mean, Joey Styles has an update on Mrs. Sandman. She's going to the hospital, which the WWE would refer to a local medical facility. Hospitals a banned word in the WWE. Sandman went with her, so uh oh. He might not get back in time for his tournament match for the TV title, Uh-oh. which was vacated by an injured Rob Van Dam. So we'll have to see. Cyrus has already decided, Rhino, you get a bye, buddy. Because apparently he has the authority to do that. And Well, he works for the uh, the, network. the network, and the network runs the show. Not th- Paul Heyman. No, that's right. The Dangerous Alliance, C.W. Anderson... And Bill Wiles, or is it Bill, Bill willies I had Isles. Wiles,
3: okay. No, I just had Isles, oh. I-L-S-E. I didn't even he's, have a W in it.
2: He's got a W there, I think. Yeah, I Bill Wiles. Okay. I
3: don't even know who this dude is. Do you know who Bill... Okay, we're back. Do you
2: know who Bill Wiles is?
3: Do you know who he is? I don't know. No. I do not either. Can you please let us know who this man is? Because if I don't know him, that says something. Well,
2: we are watching his final match ever in ECW. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh. That says a lot right there. Uh, he was once a timekeeper for ECW. Uh, he was a jobber in ECW for a long time. That's pretty much it. This is like the height of his thing. He came back in 2009 and wrestled in the ECW arena against a guy named the Musketeer. And now he trains talent at the Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey with head trainer Danny Cage and the Blue Meanie. So he's a trainer now. Ah, he's with Meanie. Gotcha. But yeah, I had never, I had never heard of Bill I mean, Wiles or any of this. They're out with Louis dangerously. They're here to take on Danny Doring again. More Danny Doring in my life. But you know what? We got roadkill. Yeah, of course. The the big man, the guy that's over roadkill. Some woman in the crowd tries to kiss Doring. I guess there's three women in the crowd. And Electra gets very upset. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you say there was three women in the crowd? To three. Holy cow! This one had to have been a plant, though. Well, I mean. The wife of Sandman was a plant too, so paid ticket buyers, I think we're at one still. Aw, ah, damn. Some woman in the crowd, she just can't resist Danny Doring. She wants to kiss him, and Electra does not like this. As Electra goes into the ring, the perv cam makes its reappearance, and we get her upskirt, which will, as I said, get you in trouble in Georgia and coming soon to Tennessee. This will be illegal. It's currently not. Roadkill Hits a boss man slam for a two count. The fact that you know that is a little scary. Oh, We did a news story on it recently. Okay, gotcha. There, there was a woman from a town near Chattanooga that she was at a gas station, and a guy took an upskirt picture of her, and okay. so she calls the police, and the police officer arrests him, and then they get there, and they look through the law book, and they say, well, there's not a law against it. We got to let him go. So you can do that. Up until, I think, uh, the new law will take effect in July. So, Patrick, there's plenty of time out there. There's still time left to well, get Well, I camera. mean, I, I'm, I know.
3: I'm having you explain because our fans might think you're just some perv that oh, yeah. knows, knows that I you know can... I know all the upskirt laws. I'm the Know, that, know that you can man. do it in some states and not others, so, you know. Yeah, so...
2: <laughs> but, I mean, for a for a TV show, I don't <laughs> think it counts anyway. But, uh, whatever. This is pay-per-view. There were people having sex on pay-per-view. Uh, Roadkill Wait, is... What? Softcore porn was on pay-per-view. That's why... What kind of TV are you watching? Okay. Side story, very quickly. The one pay-per-view I got to watch, they used to make those descrambler boxes so you wouldn't have to pay. Okay. okay. So you had scramble vision if you didn't have the descrambler box or if you didn't order the pay-per-view. But you could get an illegal descrambler. They're illegal. I don't know who's going to come and arrest you for it, but you you weren't supposed to have these things. So the one pay-per-view I watched was... It was... Oh, yeah. It was No Way Out 98, the one where Shawn Michaels gets replaced by Savio Vega or whatever. Yeah, so right. after the pay-per-view's over, late at night on the one pay-per-view channel, it's time to go adult or whatever. Or, you know, any other scrambled channel. Like, you could get Cinemax or Showtime or so whatever.
3: So Is this, a,
2: is this a, an, an old teenage story of yours? No, no, no. What happens is, so the pay-per-view ends and the box is still in there. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. I'm going to get to see some stuff coming up. Like, this is going to be awesome. But then my it was at my friend's house. His dad came in and got the box. And I asked him at the time, I was like, well, why are you taking that away? And he was just like, no, I'm just taking it away. But it, it was because he knew we were going to watch porn with it later, so... <laughs>
3: Anyway. I'm so glad that turned out that way for you, because I did not want our fans having to hear about you and your first porn experience.
2: (laughs) No. No, that's a different type of podcast. I don't know what that is. Anyway. Wow. How the fuck did we get off on this? Roadkill hits Boss Man Slam for a two count. He hits that Vader bomb elbow on C.W. Anderson, who tags in Beautiful Billy, is what they call him. Billy and Doring are now legal. Roadkill hits his springboard clothesline to the Dangerous Alliance, which is a very impressive move for a big fat man to spring off the road. Very, very
3: impressive. I am so glad I went to church this morning.
2: We get the Amish splash to CW Anderson. Danny Doring hits the bareback to CW Anderson. Doring then launches himself off Roadkill back onto the heels who are on the outside. Beautiful. Billy hits a tilt a whirl power slam for a two count on Doring. Anderson hits the chicken wing sit-out slam into a hammer lock on Doring. Doring lights CW up with chops. Then we get a T-bone suplex to Danny Doring, which gets a two count. Doring hits Jeff Jarrett's the stroke to CW, who sells it on his knee, so it looks like shit. It fuck. looked bad. Yeah, fuck you, CW. Roadkill gets the hot tag, and the Dangerous Alliance gets some clotheslines. Roadkill hits a Samoan drop to CW Anderson, but gets dropped to the floor. Doring is now all along with the heels and gets slingshotted into a super kick for a two count. Doring then hits the double arm DDT on CW. Beautiful Billy breaks it up. Roadkill and Doring hit the Doomsday Device on Billy. Doring hits the Alabama Jam. Then Electra turns on her team, trips Roadkill. CW hits an arm spinebuster. And guess what? The Dangerous Alliance gets the pin on Danny Doring. As Electra has turned her back on Amish Roadkill and Danny Doring, he shouldn't have kissed that lady going to the ring. That was a big mistake, and so the dangerous alliance uh, takes a win here in a match that was a match. What are what is your thoughts on Danny Doring? I just think he sucks. I just don't. I don't like his look. I don't like all like. Joel Gertner being pervy, like that's one thing. But then to, to like to name your move the bareback and like to just and not even be like a Rick Rude, like a, like a sexual, like he's a sexualized character that's not even that good looking, and he's kind of not even a good wrestler. And I just I'm I Roadkill's the star of this team. And, oh yeah, uh, I just don't like Danny Doring, like. Danny Doring's a guy that would show up to those ECW reunion shows at the arena and it's just like, who the fuck are you? Like, you know, when you think back, like, if you were to say to somebody, name ten ECW wrestlers, nobody is gonna say, Oh, Danny Doring. Nah. So it's just it's sort of I put him in the same category as I would put uh, Lash LaRue from WCW. Oh who, wow. Um even though I like Lash LaRue better. But it's sort of the same. Yeah. Or Lodi. He's like Lodi, you know, just there. You know, he's Danny Doring does show hints of like good wrestling, but he never gets there. I like Roadkill, but I just don't care. We could almost cut that entire match out of this podcast. We could cut the rest of this pay per view out of this podcast. It's really, really bad. We come Sorry. back
3: with Simon Diamond.
2: Well, we go backstage with the Impact players, oh, Lance yes. Storm, who whines about losing in Cincinnati. Credible guarantees they'll win the belts tonight. Then we yes. Then we smash cut back to the ring where Simon Diamond and I've got a problem. Judge Jeff Jones comes out and says, yes, you do have a problem. Because
3: none other than my boy, the one and only Mike Awesome,
2: comes storming to the ring. He's a dual champion, the first in ECW history. To have the ECW title and the tag title. So the man's draped in gold. Awesome says in his redneck, mulleted voice, you got have a choice about who's going to get their ass kicked. You can either die or leave.
5: Yeah, you do have a problem, Simon. And you too, Kid Gas. The way I see it, you two guys have a choice. And I'm going to make it real fucking simple. Oh, dear. That's not necessary. You can either get out of this ring and live, or you can stay in it and
2: die! And Simon says, you know what? I think I'll be leaving now. (laughs) Kid Cash, Simon's opponent, though, foolishly says, I'll I'll fight you, sure. So Kid Cash attacks Awesome, then gets belly-to-bellied across the ring. He super-sells Awesome's offense, and he's a little guy, so he just gets thrown all around. Cash manages to get Awesome over the guardrail and hits a springboard plancha from the ring to the first row, which is cool the first time you see it in ECW. But every match they do this. So Cash and the Judge fight for a minute. Cash gives him the pedigree, and Awesome hits a slingshot shoulder breaker from the apron to Cash, which looked very painful. Cash hits a hurricane rana to Awesome, but then Awesome no sells it, gets right back up, clotheslines him. Awesome Bomb. Then he brings in a table. Then, you know what? That's not good enough. Awesome Bomb off the top turnbuckle through a table with one hand. That's it. Awesome crushes Kid Cash in about five minutes in a uh, show of sheer brutality. Oh, yeah. He tore through him. Get this man over. And uh,
3: This would not be the last time we see Mr. Awesome... That's this, right. He's got a tag match
2: tonight.
3: Yeah, in this pay-per-view. But so. his time
2: at ECW is ticking down. It's almost time to go be the Fat Chick Thriller in WCW. So That 70s guy. Yep. All those great gimmicks. They had a lot of great ideas for Mike Awesome. If they'd just left him the hell alone. Jazz comes out to scoop up Kid Cash's remains. And Simon Diamond, more male-on-women violence... Male on female violence as Simon Diamond beats up Jazz for some reason. Then Nova, once again, this man every week on this podcast, makes a rescue. Comes out dressed as Venom from Spider-Man. And Chris Chetty, rescue Jazz. And now we have a new tag team match as they take on the bookers of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Sato and Gato. These two guys run New Japan Pro Wrestling now. They are the head bookers, so this is kind of another historical footnote here to see WWE's chief competitors now are going to be in a tag match against Chris Chetty and Nova yes this happened as well (laughs) Gato hits an acai moonsault to the faces Sledge-o-matic on Gato from Nova then Chris Chetty fucks up catching a Gato crossbody which gets booed then he hits a scissor kick and tags Nova in. Nova and Chetty double team Gato, chop battle with Chetty on the outside and hurls Chetty into the first row, do the heels. Then Giotto locks on the inverted surfboard on Nova and then Gato hits an axe handle smash while he's in this inverted surfboard. Then Giotto adds a dragon sleeper to it before Chris Chetty breaks it up. Giotto chops Nova in the corner and back suplexes off the top turnbuckle. Gato tries a Hurricane Rana, but Nova hits a running powerbomb instead. Jato and Chetty get the hot tags. Chetty Germans Jado on his head, plants Gato with a sit out powerbomb. Chetty tries a backslide, but Nova super kicks Jado, and Jado kicks out at two. Jado and Gato hit a super bomb to Nova for a two count. Again, this company never knows when to end the match. <laughs> super kick to Gato from Chetty, then Nova hits the Swanton bomb. Gato frog splashes Chetty, both cover. Patrick Young decides to count both but they kick out at two so we avoid a really bad finish here it was it's close though Amityville Horror on Gato then a tidal wave and Nova and Chetty somehow get the win over the Japanese duo which was called an upset and I think it was because the Japanese guys were much better wrestlers than these two but yeah it's ECW uh, we'll, put, we'll be putting our own guys over uh, so that That's right. was gonna happen I actually enjoyed parts of this match much more than the roadkill Danny Doring tag match. Uh, there were a couple spots, though, where they fucked up. But when, when you go at the pace that these guys go at That's with, true. with no build, to, when it's a spot fest, you're going to fuck up stuff. And it happens a lot in ECW, and it happened here. So prevented this match from being an awesome match. But what did you think of this impromptu tag match? Oh, I thought it was really good. I was, uh, once again, happy to see Nova out there. Louis dangerously, Electra, and the Dangerous Alliance. Where do you cut a promo from? I know the bathroom. They cut a promo and it sucked. I'll include it here. <laughs> Super Crazy is out next to take on Guido. This is the semifinals for the TV title match. You know who my money's on? Who's that? My money is on the FBI.
3: Full bo- blooded Italian, little Guido.
2: Well, when you have Big Sal in your corner, it seems like the odds should always be in your favor. Big Sal Graciano. Springboard Asai moonsault from Crazy to the heels out in the first row. Again, like I say, you can do this move once a pay-per-view. Not every single match, but here we go again. Super Crazy hits a Sunset Flip powerbomb on Guido off the top turnbuckle for a two-count. Crazy gets caught in a Fujiwara armbar out on the floor and Sal beats him up. Guido finds a chair but misses. Crazy gets it and hammers Guido in the head. Then he hops on the top turnbuckle and a top turnbuckle head chair shot to Guido. Luckily, it was kind of light. I mean, as light as a head chair shot from the top turnbuckle can be. Guido's now busted open and kicks out, of course, at two. Because, guys, why do, you, why do they never know when to end a match, Patrick? Because
3: it just got started.
2: But... <laughs> Then save this for the end. I, I agree. just don't understand. I agree. We get superpower bombs, awesome bombs, pile drivers through tables. All everyone kicks it too. No one ever just ends the match.
3: You know who? Do, you know who knows how to end the match? Who's that? New Jack, and we'll find out later on. Oh my gosh!
2: Though <laughs> that's a low light in the show. Anyway, Crazy tries to move off Sal's shoulders onto Guido, but Guido gets his legs up to block it. Guido gets Sal's belt. It's a big belt for a big man. And whips Super Crazy with it. But Super Crazy. Tornado DDT plants Guido for a two count. Crazy picks up Sal's belt this time, but Guido stops him. Guido hits a second rope, famouser sort to of Crazy, but only gets a two count. Guido climbs onto Sal's shoulders, but misses Crazy and goes through a table. Crazy then Hurricane Rana Sal out of the ring, which defies logic, but okay. Guido tries the kill switch but gets power bombed on table shards and crazy hits a moonsault off the second turnbuckle and wins. But the ref, Patrick, you fucked this up again. You're supposed to be the world's greatest referee. You counted to three and then held up two fingers. The the announcers, Don Callis and Joey styles, both said super crazy. Just won. The ref though disagreed. So then super crazy angrily has to pick Guido back up, hit a brain buster for no reason. And pin Guido all over again. So they fucked the finish of this match, which was going just fine up until that. But uh, the referee fucked it up. He did. John Finnegan, the the head ref, too. This wasn't just any old ref. This was their main guy, and he didn't know the finish. Which is a rookie mistake. And also, stop the count at two if you think that it's... I mean, he counted to three. He couldn't count. I mean, here's the deal. One, one of my one of my rules of thumb: here, and always finish the count. Yeah,
3: uh, always count it. If they don't kick out, that's their damn fault. But then, yeah, you should have called
2: for the bell and ended the match instead of saying, "Oh, that's too." I,
3: see, that's where he fucked up.
2: Yeah. Well, especially because it did not change the outcome of the match. Right. So, I really enjoyed this match. This was oh fun. yeah, super my, crazy, very exciting wrestler to watch. My pick lost. Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you. That Big, I had Big Sal watching his back. I thought, man. I know. Damn, well, dude. If he only had Mark Henry in his corner, Hall of Famer Mark Henry might have been able to do the job. But That's true. Big Sal. Guess he was out getting pizza. Mm-mm-mm. Some spaghetti. Now, here is my highlight of the night where Joey Styles and Cyrus plug the video game. <laughs> and Cyrus talks about his finisher being a nut grab. Yes, that's right. He grabs your balls. Really? That's his finisher, he says. Like,
3: in the, in the game, though, really? I'm not sure
2: is... that's true, but that's what because... he says. Then they preview it, and, oh, it looks so bad. <laughs> the graphics look so dated. The wrestlers, the commentary, everything about it. But, you know, back in 2000, this it looked really good. Oh, I don't know about <laughs> that. I do not know about that. So, they're not going to sell any of those, except to you and me. Back in the ring, Balls Mahoney is in the ring with Kentaro Kinamuara. I'm glad you know how to pronounce that because I didn't. I'm going to cut his last name. Okay. Back in the ring, Balls Mahoney is in the ring with Kentaro. Kentaro runs right through Balls Mahoney at first, and I'm thinking this is a squash match. This dude is destroying him. Yeah, tearing through him. But Balls hits the ball breaker and a frog splash, and, of course, Kentaro kicks out at two. (laughs) Kentaro superplexes Balls and hits Balls with Balls' own custom chair, which is a sin. I mean, he... Nobody touches the chair but Balls. That's an airbrushed chair. He spent money to get that thing painted. And he did it for every show, too. That's right. Balls hits the Nutcracker Suite, which is a Scoop Slam pile driver, and gets the win. In this match, that happened. But you know why it happened, Patrick? It happened so that they would bring back... De DeBaldies De Are back again for week number two. Oh god. As much as I shat on Danny Doring, DeBaldies are more shat. They are the shittier of the shit. They suck. And they come in and they beat Balls down, giving the biggest Baldy Well, including their third member. They had a third Baldy at this time diving off the turnbuckle onto Balls. So who's who is your hero? My hero. I need a hero to save me. My hero
3: is none other than the original gangsta, Mister OG
2: himself, the one and only New Jack. New Jack comes out, and since this is the network version, we don't get New Jack City playing in repeat. Instead, we get In the Ghetto. So this is a very tough match to watch because the song is only about a minute long and it loops the entire. Of the entirety of the match, the song loops, and he's going to take on Vic Grimes, which is the big member of DeBaldi's. And Vic Grimes, well, he came prepared.
3: You, you, you let's specify this. You say the big member of he is a big man.
2: Yes, he is. Uh, he's uh, about roadkill size. This I'd man say. is
3: easily three fifty.
2: He's huge. New Jack brings out, of course, the plunder. And the Baldies run off, but Vic Grimes stands his ground, and he came prepared. He brought a pizza cutter. I guess he got it from Big Sal. He did. The FBI. And he slices into New Jack's head, which is difficult for me to watch or understand. All of New Jack's shit is very difficult for me to watch. I love New Jack. Of course. I do. Yes, well, his hepatitis C would probably tell you otherwise about his wrestling style. He doesn't have hepatitis. Yes, he does. It's a fact. Probably from doing shit like this. If that's not true, I'll cut it, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I'm gonna look that shit up. I don't believe it.
3: I'm curious now. You know...
2: I can't even spell hepatitis. Well... list of people with hepatitis c on wikipedia (laughs) new jack Mm -hmm. okay maybe you're right i don't know i can't find it let's say he
3: still works bloody matches all the
2: time oh dude that's gross man anyway (laughs) we'll move on (laughs) all right so pizza cutter into new jack's head new jack and grimes brawl through the crowd grimes set us uh grimes sets up a table in the crowd and puts new jack on it and then puts another table on top of it what are they doing? What are they thinking here? Oh, they found the one scaffolding in the entire building. Yes. So they climb on it. This scaffolding, by the way, the top of it, has holes in it. Yes. So they have to very carefully navigate, not falling through the scaffolding. It's almost like it's it's just a ladder laid down sideways. Yes. And so... but this, Just getting on this
3: thing is dangerous. This scaffolding is huge. Yes. I mean, it, they're
2: easily... 40 feet off the ground. I wouldn't go that far. I'd probably say 25 feet. Um, now, this maybe. is where things go wrong, in my opinion, because they got up here. They had this plan all along. They did. But they had no idea what to do once they fucking got up there. And so they get up there. He's going to pull them off. And, well, they have to teeter-totter around this thing, negotiate with each other how to do this. And so what ends up happening... Is they just go both stumbling off of it. New Jack was like, Hell, I'll take a I'll I'll take he a He went back.
3: He first. I'm gonna take a face bump. Oh, he went face first. And he's pulling he's pulling dude down with him, and the guy's flipping to take the back bump like you should. And Both of them basically missed the table. They missed the table stacked on top of each other. They catch a little bit of it. A hair of it. But that's not the worst part. No. Not falling that far and smacking concrete with your body. That's not the worst part. The worst part is this easily 350-pound man lands right on top of New Jack's head. <laughs> yeah, and as his back. he's As he's falling. So New Jack gets squished at the exact moment of impact between this man, this huge man, and concrete.
2: Yeah, it looked disgusting. It and- looked horrible. Well, and it looked horrible from the fact that it wasn't even a wrestling move. It was just two guys falling to their doom. I mean, that's what it was terrible to me is like, if you're going to do shit like this, at least set it up in a way where you're not going to kill yourselves. And it's amazing that it's amazing New Jack that is still walking around today. Yeah.
3: That. I mean, it's, it's crazy he still wrestles. And... Uh... I mean... And
2: that's the end of the match. They would not oh, be getting yeah. up from
3: that. No, because... At least
2: this time they knew when to end it. Because I, I swear to you that I probably thought that they were going to have Grimes cover New Jack and kick it too. <laughs> I guarantee you they probably wanted to do that. And Paulie probably said no. Yeah. This is the one time where no... But in every other ECW match, that's what happens. I,
3: they found, I didn't realize that it, the ECW arena was this high up. Well, this wasn't the ECW arena. Where, where were they at? They were this
2: in, was in Connecticut. This is the O'Neill Center.
3: Oh, okay. Because they're literally, I mean, they're at the rooftop, basically. They're that high up. And it was it was a scary fall. I mean, it was... Yeah, and this is a year after Owen Hart. Yeah, really, exactly. Just think about things before you do them. That's all I, you know... Because, and to smack concrete, it was... I'm telling you. Yeah, so...
2: They replay this several times, multiple times, different angles. They're gonna get all they can get out of this because, of course, you know. Well, hell yeah! This is their Mick Foley going through hell in a cell moment here. So, there you go. This, I mean, this is just
3: flat. It's oh god, it's disgusting. It's too. It's so bad that they had to carry him off, uh, basically scrape him up, carry him off, and while EMTs. Strap New Jack down to a gurney. I mean, well, they he were... had
2: to go to the hospital with Lori, Mrs. Sandman. Yeah, they're, they're filling up the hospital yeah. in Danbury tonight. The impact players are now in the ring, so they're gonna take on Mike, Awesome, and Raven for the tag belts, but that's not all. They got Dreamer and Tanaka. That's right, so it's another triple threat tag match where it's elimination. We get a sit out powerbomb from Awesome to Storm while Raven disposes of Credible awesome suicide dives to jason and justin on the outside of the ring raven drop toe holds lance onto a chair and then rubs the snot rag into lance's face wonderful dreamer comes in immediately ddt's raven sit out powerbomb to dreamer from mike awesome the impact players in double team tanaka tanaka throws credible into a fan's chair that was nice of the fan to help out like that and then tanaka he's thirsty for blood as well he bites into credible's bald head raven bulldog dreamer's face into the corner of a table and only snapped it off a little bit so he said oh that's not gonna do so he dropped toeholds dreamer into the edge of the table and that snapped off a little bit more the ref wants to get rid of the table but mike awesome's like oh no 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 there's still plenty of that table left to he, be used he
3: flips it upside down the other direction props it back up in the corner <laughs> he's like that's still a good table we could still of- break through that a couple more times
2: So then Tanaka back suplexes Awesome through the table in the corner. And that thing splinters. Yes. Hits his roaring elbow, which is that tornado elbow in uh, honor of, I guess, the Texas Tornado. And Mike Awesome is eliminated. We have a guarantee of new champs in these triple threats. This is another ECW trope that they would always guarantee a new title winner in these triple threat matches. So... Uh, Raven was heading back to the WWF at the time, and we know that where Awesome was going to be the uh, Fat Chick Thriller that 70s dude. So they probably didn't have... Raven was going sooner than Awesome, so they needed to get the belt off of him. So there you go. Raven was going to WWF? Yeah. Yeah, he would come back and have that amazing match at WrestleMania X7 where he nearly drove the golf cart into the wall with uh, Big Show. Yep. Uh, yeah, Amazing. <laughs> the golf cart match. That's my, When Raven is going into the Hall of Fame well he won't because he sued the company. Never mind. Uh, anyway Credible Dex Tanaka with a Singapore, can- Singapore cane Credible Dex Tanaka with a Singapore cane Impact players beat the hell out of Tommy Dreamer Jawbreaker and standing dropkick by Lance Storm to Dreamer credible then accidentally kicks storm dreamer ddt's credible gets the hot tag to tanaka as suddenly the tag rules are now in effect another ecw trope when and when they want to enforce the tag rules tanaka hits a double stunner to the impact players then dreamer and tanaka hit the dudley's 3d for a two count on lance storm tommy tries the spicoli driver but it gets broken up with a singapore cane shot then tanaka hits the diamond dust to credible a pile driver from Landstorm to Tanaka. Dreamer tries to pile drive Storm, but gets a belt shot, a title belt shot, to the face. The Impact players hit a double team pile driver to Dreamer, and that's it. The match is over. The Impact players are your new tag team champions. That's right. They reign supreme. There you go. What did you think of this match? Oh, it's a great match. Very fast paced. Uh, I actually thought the action, unlike. Last week's ECW show that we reviewed, I liked the action before the first team got eliminated. Once Awesome and Raven were out, I kind of lost interest because I like Mike Awesome so much. Yeah. It was so fun to watch that I kind of wish he had stuck around for the whole match. But yeah. it was still a fun match. It had a lot of, uh, for a plunder match with the cane shots and... Uh, Tanaka's a great wrestler The fan holding up the chair was pretty cool The table that broke three oh, times Oh yes, and the ref trying to get rid of it I loved Awesome being like No, no, that's That, that thing
3: good. can still break
2: a lot more On ECW's budget, we need to reuse that table So, <laughs> there you go Yeah, it's um, It's a great
3: match I actually I,
2: think this might be match of the night Actually, this is probably my vote For match of the night Athletic-wise, this is your vote for us? Yeah, it's not the most intriguing. I mean, that's Dusty Rhodes. But this is my... If you want to just watch a good wrestling match. It's a good match. It's a very good match. Cyrus comes into the ring. He's with the Network, and the Network likes the new champs. That's right. Cyrus brings out Rhino, who he says the Network has handpicked as RVD's replacement. Well, that doesn't make Paul E. dangerously very happy at all. So Paul Heyman comes out. And cuts a big promo on the network, in quotation marks, but we know he's really talking to TNN. He says, this isn't fucking TNN, this is fucking pay-per-view, and I'll include the promo here, as it's always nice to hear Paul Heyman cut a promo.
5: And I don't care who likes it and who I doesn't so like it. I'm
1: tired of the goddamn fucking network! Here comes the boss, ECW owner and executive producer Paul Heyman. And can you appreciate what it's like to work for that man? I thought it was the greatest fucking thing
5: to ever happen to ECW until I learned that we had a deal with a fucking asshole like you. Don't make me come down. I want no problems with you! You got a problem! Too late! With all due respect, you've got a show to run, and I have some unfinished business with that asshole! Joel Gertner wants more sirens. Cyrus! Pick your teeth out one more time, Fat Man! I think I echo the sentiments of Paul Heyman and everybody involved with ECW when I say we're tired of your network this, network that, and tonight, Cyrus, you go down, your man goes down, and the network goes down right fucking now.
2: Gertner? Wants to take down Cyrus right now. That's right. Joel
3: Gertner comes back out, says, Boss, you got a pay-per-view to run. Let me handle this. I've got unfinished business with him. And so what does he do? He walks out, says he's about to get his ass kicked, points towards the entryway, and out of nowhere comes a running Super Crazy.
2: Yeah, it's time for our TV title match. Super Crazy tries a moonsault on Rhino, but gets hit with a power slam rhino throws crazy out to the crowd sets up a table rhino launches super crazy into the air once he's in the ring and then he press slams him from the ring into the table outside of the ring which was crazy super crazy super crazy rolls back in the ring we get a power bomb for a two count Rhino puts a table in the corner, misses the gore, and gores himself through the table. Super Crazy hits a high cross for a two-count. Super Crazy reverses a power bomb into a DDT. Then Crazy hits his three moon salt combo, which first turnbuckle, second, and third. But Rhino smartly pulls the ref down in front of him, so he takes a ref bump. Now there's no one to count. No ref. Tajiri then runs in. He's an ally of Rhino. Tajiri blows his green mist into... Super Crazy's face, and then Buzzsaw kicks him. And then Drop kicks the poor guy. Tajiri then puts Crazy in the tree of woe. And Rhino gores Super Crazy in the tree of woe. But yeah, then that pretty nasty. this brings out RVD on his broken leg. RVD limping out there with his crutches. He comes in the ring, he confronts Rhino. Rhino uh, doesn't want any piece of RVD I guess he has sympathy for him uh, he's got a bad leg I don't want anything like that so as he turns his back of course that means break a crutch over his back dude, and he, RVD he splintered this thing over his back and then puts Rhino through a table with a broken leg god man this guy always and he did this broken leg gimmick at uh, one night stand 05 same thing no when to take a rest buddy Crazy hits a moonsault, and we have a new TV champion. The network will not be pleased. But that's okay, because Rhino gets all his heat back. Gore to RVD. Everyone brawls. The faces and the heels are at each other's throats, and then all of a sudden, he abandoned his wife at the hospital. Sandman is back to Kane, Rhino, and the faces stand tall at the end of the night against the network, the brutal network. So what did you think about our main event, TV title match? I thought it was great. It was okay. Uh, I'm not... I wasn't thrilled with it because it was... It felt rushed. um, Yeah. And we had already seen Super Crazy Work, a better match with Guido, I think. I think the match with Guido is better than the one with Rhino. But that's because I think it's a Styles clash. No pun intended, AJ. But that's... Uh, I just don't think they worked well together. Uh, they, they it was a decent match. It was a fine match to end the pay per view on. It's a good storyline that the 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 faces are going against the network who doesn't want them because that's ECW's story basically is that no one wants you. You're a reject. Fight against the system. So it's a good it's right. a good internal storyline for them to have. So I thought this was a especially to build for TV now that they're on a cable channel. This is a good. Story And it also lets Paul yell at TNN uh, on pay-per-view, which was always a plus to see him shoot on TNN. So what did you think about this match?
3: Uh, I, like I said, I thought it was great. I uh, I thought the play into Rhino to get him into the finals was awesome. I, I loved the the way this, this whole pay-per-view led in for Rhino to be the guy. You know, and the crowd's like, "Fuck, dude!" Yeah, because they hate Ryan. Yeah, yeah. they're like, "Man, this—they're playing." He's like Roman Reigns, and they built this whole damn thing. This in this two hours, they built this whole thing up. Man, he's gonna—he's gonna do it. You know, to the point that he already got a buy. To the point that backups come to the ring while the ref's down. You know, this is and super crazy.
2: Still prevails. Still prevails. I thought it was—I done so well. Yeah, for a show-long storyline like that, it was very well executed. Something that ECW didn't do very well, not, so yeah, not I'll give very them credit often. for that. Yeah. Anyway, Patrick Young, on our rating scale, this is the very important rating scale, Hornswoggle to John Gonzalez, the world awaits your opinion on ECW Living Dangerously 2000, the final Living Dangerously. Well, I've got to, uh...
3: I, I liked it a lot. But seeing as how, out of respects for him, almost killing himself tonight, I'm going to give it a uh, a new Jack. Oh,
2: that, that's a decent rating. That is because if I was rating it, that would mean it was bad. But you like New Jack, so that means it was good. Yeah, so I like so New Jack. See so the rating system's very tough. It's to very biased decode. too. Well,
3: so I like New Jack, so it's
2: a very high rating upon my my scale. So. I'm going to give this one a Kid Cash, as it it had courage, it went in there, it tried something, but ultimately it failed, and uh, it failed pretty miserably.
3: any Any man with two hands has a fighting chance.
2: That's true. Hopefully, WrestleMania 34, hopefully we'll see that. Now, since it is WrestleMania season, that of course means I have to pick a WrestleMania this week. Yes! Where are we going, bro? And I need to pick a terrible one. Aw, damn it. It's Mania. WrestleMania 2000. We'll stay in the year 2000. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Less than a month after this pay-per-view we just reviewed, Living Dangerously, we head to, of course, Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California. Anaheim,
3: California. We are going to see The Rock with Vince McMahon in his corner. Take on... The returning legend, Mick Foley, with Linda McMahon in his corner. Also taking on The Big Show, with Shane McMahon in his corner, as well as taking on, in a fatal four-way, the champ, the WWF heavyweight champion of the world, Triple H, with his lovely wife, Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley, in... Her are cor- in his corner, so it is a fatal four-way with a McMahon in every corner who will prevail. Also, you have a timed hardcore title twenty-four-seven roll.
2: Oh yes, might be the highlight of the, the 20, entire card, twenty
3: actually. minutes. You have a uh, you have a special. Godfather entrance with uh, Ice-T singing into the ring. Wow. Maybe he's next year's celebrity inductee. You might just see none other than Pete Rose finally get revenge.
2: He's been after that bastard
3: Glenn Jacobs for years. On the Big Red Machine cane. That and so much more
2: next week live live on tape on tape <laughs> wrestlemania 2000 yes uh a blight on the prestigious history of wrestlemania probably in the in the top 10 worst a so, pimple on the ass of pro wrestling and it starts with the name itself wrestlemania 2000 they dropped the numbering arom- yeah numeral. wrestlemania
3: 16 if you want to technically go by yes. it but yes
2: so, Patrick, where can
3: they find you on the interwebs? Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling on Facebook. You can also
2: send a message to our page, the one and only... Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook page, or you can go to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. That'll redirect you to the Twitter page, as I'm too cheap to buy an actual website, but maybe later this year I will actually buy one. Me and Alex check the, uh the Facebook
3: page if you want to get in touch with me personally. He can redirect you if you can't
2: find me. Your phone number will be easily given out. Your let's, social let's, security number. I have all that stuff. Credit with. card. Yeah, whatever you want. Uh,
3: debit debit card. I mean, ATM account number. Yes. Anything you need to know? Yeah, um, we've got the dirt. If I get if I get it, I will redirect you, or I will answer your questions there. I'm always open to take suggestions for us to review shows. I'm also open to answer any and all questions regarding the sport of professional wrestling, locker rooms, back in the day, now theories, now then, and any, and forever. Anything you want to know, ladies and gentlemen. If I can't answer it, I will find out who can. You will get an answer guaranteed. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. I'm Intern Alex. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline.
2: And bingo. Bango. All right.